Hey guys, Hadjerberg here. Tonight we welcome back dear friends of the show, Stephen and Leo from the Spoils of Horror podcast. They are here to help us rate and review 2022's Pearl. As a sequel slash prequel, does this film keep the X Factor going? Listen to episode 116 of A Cut Above Horror Review to find out. It's starting now. Cut my life into pieces! Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host Jacqueline and tonight we'll be discussing Pearl from 2022. But first let's meet everybody else on the show. A warm welcome back to our good friends Stephen and Leo from Spoils of Horror. Welcome back guys. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god and Skeletor is here too. Oh man. He's always hanging around somewhere. Yeah. We're back! <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I could not be more surprised. <laughs> yeah. Nice to have you back, boys. It's been a few months. We haven't seen you since Barbarian, so... I know, and... it's exciting. We were really happy when John reached out to us and told us mm-hmm. we had to keep this a secret. Yes. So, it was and a lot of fun. he disappeared. Yeah, so I think the. I was going to say he did kind of ditch us because he's not here right now. He will be. He will be. We must have faith. Um, But I think you know he's trying to kind of throw you guys a bone because you typically do a lot of older movies on your show, and sometimes you guys don't get a chance to. You know, you're so busy with um, your show and all the stuff you have going on that sometimes you're not able to keep up with the more recent releases. And so I think this is like a little gift to you to like give you an excuse to watch something more recent. I'm going to tell you who this was a gift to. It was a gift to Leo because I haven't shut the fuck up about this movie. (laughs) And and I have told him, oh, we're going to cover Pearl. We're going to cover Pearl. We're going to cover Pearl Mm -hmm. and have not gotten to it. The fact that he gets to vent this steam out to anybody other than me is a miracle. And I'm happy for it. (laughs) Okay. We're going to take some of that that burden off you. Leo. So starting tomorrow, you should have some relief. (laughs) Uh, and next up, we got Hydraberg. What's going on, Hydraberg? What's up, Jacqueline? What's up, guys? Steve and Leo, thanks for coming on again. It's good to see you. Skeletor. Always a pleasure. Yes. Pleasure as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Please and take your shoes off, sir. <laughs> John is not here yet. He's got a work commitment, but he will be hopping on a little bit later. So um, for anything that we get to before he arrives, we've got some notes and stuff. So we'll we'll kind of pick up the slack for him in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Well, nice to have you guys here. Ready for another fun evening of talking about horror. Hooray. Hooray. All right. Uh, So do you guys want to talk a little bit about your show for some random listener who's never heard you on here before heard us our show is amazing. Listen to it. (laughs) True. That is actually totally accurate. (laughs) Yeah, we are good. Pretty good. We are terrible at describing our own show, but basically we're <laughs> we're a weekly show where we just hang out with a horror movie that is lost, popular, bizarre, sometimes, you know, something that's new, a lot of times stuff that's old. We just like to hang out with it and kind of ride the wave. Mm. Um, we described it on another show, and I think it was pretty perfect. Like if you were taking a bath and you and the movie was like in the soap. And then two ugly nerds climbed in the tub with you and started arguing and making jokes. <laughs> yep, that's basically that it. That's, that's pretty apt, actually. <laughs> We're also, if I can uh, blow a bugle here a little bit, heading into our third season. 
which mm-hmm. is pretty remarkable and fun and nice. not too far away from our 100th episode. So worth checking out. Nice. Yeah, you guys have a huge milestone coming up. And I was just texting with you guys the other day and saying, like, I started listening to you guys around episode 17 or 18. And now mm-hmm. you're coming up on 100. I'm like, what the hell happened? <laughs> I just feel like it's thing. been that long. Yeah. <laughs> we, we connected over mutually covering the dark and the wicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back around that time. Yeah, who doesn't like that movie? But that is our connection. It was that <laughs> and then a discussion, I believe, about Ravenous. Yes, 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 that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. We should do something together. Yeah, that's crazy. Coming up on a hundred. So goes to hell happen. Yes, that was our first collab. Uh so are you guys doing anything special for your hundredth episode? I feel like we are. I've uh <laughs> Steve and I have joked before because we have spent two seasons now going through a bunch of really awesome movies and some not so awesome movies and have never once done anything that revolves around ghosts or strictly paranormal. Wow. And we were, we were like, Hey, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. We're going to make it a priority. And I was patiently waiting this entire season. And if he didn't choose one, I was going to, and that's exactly how that's shaping out. Okay. Do you want to tell wait. him what it is? You can, we can announce it. Oh, you sound oh, like you're keeping to. it a secret. So I was no, like, no, I'll just be in suspense. Uh, for, uh, cause I always try to pair my movies together to make them fun. So uh, for the hundredth episode, we're going to do the original Poltergeist, which is a nice. uh, childhood favorite of mine. Yes, and I did. have a lot to say about it. And then I'm pairing that with my next choice is going to be Paranormal Activity, just to get something hmm. somewhat more modern on the board. <laughs> I cannot Found wait. Footage. Yes, fantastic. Yeah. So we're going to be doing two separate things because we separate out our hundredth from our anniversary episode. Okay. So mm-hmm. we'll be doing the 100, which will be fun, a little bit bigger than a normal episode. But then a little bit after that, we'll be doing our kind of year roundup. And ah, I'll announce that, too. We're going to be doing 1931's Dracula. Nice. Oh, my gosh. Th- it's going to be such a great month. It I really can't is. Wait. <laughs> That sounds magnificent. I can't wait to hear all of it. So, yeah, anybody out there who has not heard Spoils of Horror yet, get to it. This is a good time to start listening. Good time yeah. to start listening. Um, also, I have to say you guys have had some really great episodes recently. I loved your episode on the stuff. Um, Yay. <laughs> it, it, it was compelling enough that it really moved that up to the top of my stuff I'm going to stuff I'm going to watch list <laughs> um just like when you guys covered the howling too I was like okay the way they're mm. describing this I have to just get to it. a lot of times cuz my my movie time is so limited that I'm yeah. like oh this sounds like a really good movie I don't know when I'll get to it though but like the howling 2 based on what you said I was like I got to watch this now. well the pale pale light you know the pa- <laughs> <laughs> and the stuff kind of was the same um and also evil tunes both of those really <laughs> I watched evil really tunes. made me want to watch those I did. I watched it. Well, if I heard correctly, if I remember correctly, Howling 2 is now a favorite of yours, Jack. Yes, yes. I <laughs> loved it so much. And now I'm like a Howling 2 evangelist. Like, Wonderful. I roam the land, like, uh, <laughs> proselytizing about it. In you the pale, pale listen. light. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got a hunger that's emotional. So I yeah. Ooh, share it with others. Well done. <laughs> Do you love yeah. Christopher Lee? Do you love <laughs> naked werewolf orgies? Obviously. And listen so, to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how I begin my sermons. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of great stuff recently. I love this the stuff. I'm um, getting ready to start watching or watching, listening to uh, Hard to Die. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yes. All right, cool. Well, I'm looking forward to that one. I haven't gotten to it yet because I'm, I'm taking a pause on you guys 
because I have something else that's new that I need to listen to first. And Hyderberg, mm. I think you might have something to say about that. Uh, yeah, um, I started a uh, couple months back in like April, a little project that I've been putting together um, with uh, Rob from Circle of Jerks podcast. He's been on our show for at least two episodes, Bad Seed and I think Prom Night. Um, and uh, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, well, someone that we know, uh, G-Baby's friend, John, who I've heard on Waxing the Porpoise, uh, we started a podcast together and we've been uh, pre-recording some episodes and I've been editing them. I came up with a theme and uh, it's called Cinemigos, The Cinemigos. And it's basically like a genre hopping, like movie recommendation podcast. Where at least one or the, at least one or two of us haven't seen a film and we take turns introducing each other to different genres, different eras of film and, uh, you know, strengthening a friendship while we do it, just like we did here on A Cut Above, sort of. Um, yeah, so it's pretty fun. Uh, it's out on all podcatchers, and we're on Instagram at Cinemigos, one word, underscore podcast, and on Twitter at Trace Cinemigos. That is so amazing, Hyderberg. First of all, I have to say I'm really proud of you. Um, you're you. just like such a pro these days. I mean, you t- mm-hmm. you take your podcasting really seriously, and you've grown so much, and you've learned so much. I mean, I'm just I'm really impressed by you. And I've only listened to about 20 minutes of your first episode, but I love it. I love Thank it. You. It's got a cool vibe. I, I I dig the stuff we've got already done, and I'm excited to the schedule that we have planned. There's some just we're just jumping around. Like it, that's what's cool about it. We're not confined to one genre like we are here. And I love horror. I mean, that's why we talk about it each week. But it's cool. I like other movies too, and it's cool to. I'm gonna watch movies doing this podcast that I would not normally pick myself. But since Rob has an older taste and stuff like that, so he's gonna introduce me to stuff and. It's just cool. I get to introduce them to stuff I grew up with. Like our first episode is Cobra from 1986. Nice. Sylvester Stallone's Cobra. So uh, yeah, check us out. It's a, it's fun. It's a fun vibe. I well, congratulations, and we will be uh, okay. we're gonna we're gonna be promoting you on our show too. Oh, thank you, man. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Get a trailer put together. We'll put it on there. Yeah, yeah. I will. That one will be easy. I'm just gonna get some like kind of like actiony sort of I'll just yeah. Gel some uh, sound bites together and something. I don't know. Come up with it. But yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the praise. It, it it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like more fun, you know? I'm having fun doing this. That's what's going to make it good. Yeah. Well, and I love the premise of it. It sounds like a more formal version of that conversation you have with your movie friends all the time where you're like, you mm-hmm. haven't seen such and such? Oh, my God. We got to go watch it right now. Like, you got to watch yeah. this right now. So it sounds like that's like the podcast. Yeah, that's basically kind of how it started, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Me and Rob just talking behind the scenes uh, on the phone about film and him always saying, oh, you haven't seen this? And I'm like, you haven't seen this? Like, we should just record this. Yeah. And then I was like, well, we should probably look for a third because I like the I like uh, the three people kind of dynamic. Uh, I think it gives a little bit of extra um, opinions. So you have a little bit more of a varied um, pull to pull from. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know if I could do the two men like you guys. You guys well, pull that, up a really good two men act. That's why we have our pizza delivery boy character. <laughs> oh, true. We need <laughs> him to be one. our third character yeah. on our show. I think it's also hey, just cool. fair to say that nobody can put up with us long enough in the same room to be there week after week. So uh, we're kind of on our own. <laughs> All right. Was Well, was there anything else that you wanted to plug or talk about, Hyderberg? I mean, I guess if I'm plugging stuff, I might as well just plug it now. I was on um, Anna and Hannah's podcast, uh, Cinema Slab, about a week Hooray. ago. Yeah, we covered, they're awesome. Uh, we covered um, True Romance. They invited me on for that, which is uh, a movie I, I hold pretty dear. I, I grew up with. And uh, it's episode 28 of Cinema Slab Podcast. Uh, check them out on all podcatchers. Uh, it's a good time. Check out all their episodes. They've been putting out some really cool movies. And I think they're up to like episode 30 already or something like that. They're getting mm-hmm. up there. So 
Yeah, they they put out their content very regularly. They're very on yeah, on like the ball with that. So nice, so nice. Yeah. Oh, oh, and I think our final member is here. Hooray! Hi, hi, hi. Sorry, Justin. I'm late, guys. Sorry. How dare you? Oh, so we didn't good. even notice. that's funny wow we knew we could guys feel loved good night everyone (laughs) well that was a hell of a show so what do you guys want to talk about (laughs) and that's why that's why pearl was the film of the year goodbye that's right that's right right. no it was just me shamelessly plugging my other podcast for like 15 minutes (laughs) which by the way that was a really really good episode man it was it And I liked Cobra. I mean, it brought brought back a lot of nostalgia for me. So congratulations to you, John and Rob. Thank you. That's cool to hear because that's sort of like the vibe, right? It's all about talking about movies Mm -hmm. and getting excited. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that movie or like Hidden Gems, stuff like that. So Go follow it, man. Give it that five-star rating. Yeah, do it. (laughs) Uh, So what do you guys want to talk about then? Some news. (laughs) Do you have any news? Yeah. Damn, are we at news? Oh, by the way, Stephen and Leo, uh, yeah. welcome, welcome, welcome back. So good to hey. see you guys. Have you back on board? Uh, and for a kick-ass movie, which we may talk about in just a little bit. Um, okay, so we didn't get any news at all. No, no we were just we've been too busy like chit-chatting. Your okay, timing is news. exquisite. There we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so this is weird because there's talks that the paranormal activity movie could be a stage play. Stephen, oh my god! <laughs> wow, I, I really got Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I read that and I thought it was a joke, but I got it off a of bloody disgusting, and it's a real thing that they're they're working on it. Obviously, with Hollywood, you know, being on strike. Did we figure anything out from that yet? Are they off strike? Are they? No, uh, they're not. No. Okay, it's it seems like it's going to go on. Yeah. Um, however. There will n- never be another paranormal activity activity movie with Jason Blum. <laughs> he confirmed it. He's quoted as saying, um, it, "It's been enough already. The past paranormal activity was terrible." Yes, you know that's bad. When, wow. like, the- I mean, that's some nice, refreshing honesty. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine how they would do a stage play. I pray wrong. to God it's a musical. I pray oh, to God. The tech on that Same. is going to be a fucking nightmare. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, what well, if it's just, just like cameras? Sheet. Just cameras everywhere, and you just see a light go on them, and that's like uh, means the ghost is there, but there's really no ghost. It means the ghost is there. I, oh I God, just I just want to see like that main girl like turn to the audience, like tape one step forward, and be like, "There's something in this room." <laughs> <laughs> Mika, Mika, with like books, with like books on strings, like floating around the room. Yeah, I know. There's no such things as ghosts. There's no such things as ghosts. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think she could reenact that standing for like six hours over his bed, but like you know the body moves a little? Nobody's gonna sit in a theater for six hours watching her do that. (laughs) No, I mean, could she do that fast forward where? It's like she's yeah. swaying a little bit, but like in fast yeah. forward, you know. Well, it, it'll be like a strobe light or a spinny light that makes it oh. look like it's going faster. You're right. You're right. Yeah, they'll have the big clock, like the arms of the clock will be spinning in a circle <laughs> to show time passing. But it, it's just the shadows of them on a on a spotlight. <laughs> and it all culminates with the Ouija board setting on fire by itself. There, we solved it. We wrote it. It's done. Mm. Good. 
finished move on how dare you make me think about the tech for this and actually make it work Stop now it. now we can now we can finally make house of a thousand corpses the musical oh i've already done that that's been in a notebook for 15 years already in my bedroom i don't like that movie oh, but, I, but i would watch the shit out of that oh, thank you i like you I mean, say notebook instead moment. of diary that was cute <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, All right. It looks like Final Destination 6 is happening. They just signed a big name from the horror movie. Uh, an icon, actually. Tony Todd is signed on to play the mortician again. Uh, no other details have been released. Um, that's because of the writer's strike. But Tony Todd signed on to do Final Destination 666. Talk about nice. milking a series to death. Dude, <laughs> I think it's, it still works, though. I think it really still works, actually. I mean, the, kill, like it, the premise still works. The kills are always creative. They're always yeah. fun. There's always the one or two where you're like, oh, shit. And they stay you with you. I just think it's getting a little formulaic at this point. Oh, like, well, yeah. Death has I a mean, plan, and it's always going to be this Rube Goldberg machine that sets shit off and yeah, nobody yeah. gets out of the way in time. And yeah. over and over and over again until the movie's done, and then well, they okay. pass it on to the next one. I do think it was very helpful when those movies found a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, I think I'll agree with they, that. When they when they brought in a sense of humor, I do think it kind of gave the a, a fresh energy to some of the later mm-hmm. ones. I agree. Yeah, I always had fun with them. I never hated them. I just think as CGI became more prevalent, it just it looked so dumb. I mean, it was just like the the I was a four or five with the race car. Accident. Oh, I, I don't, don't remember. remember. I know. I know oh, the race remember, car. Yeah. It's been a long time since the last one. Like, there's been a long like, gap. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought the CGI looked bad, but the kills were. I mean, the deaths were always really cool. When was um, part five? I feel like that was like a really long time ago. I don't know. I have the box set up up Ooh. here somewhere. Yeah, I'm curious. Hold on now. Hey, you got. You, why don't you do your, your next story and I'll Google it. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, the movie we reviewed last week, Brightburn. Yes, it is getting a sequel. All right, good timing. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'll I'll check it out. Yeah, I kind of love that, guys. Movie. I uh, I I totally planned that. By the way, I had an insider source that Brian Byrne was coming out. It was Botter from uh, Shortbox Podcast. Botter's your uh, insider. Yeah, he's in the old things comics, and then he knew he won't hear this because he doesn't. He won't listen to the episode after <laughs> that one that he was on. But <laughs> he just wants to listen to himself, and then he's done. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I knew Brian Byrne too. Electric Boogaloo was coming out any moment now, so. Thanks for bringing that up. (laughs) And that is the melange of news I have. And what a melange it was, if you will. Thank you. you. I should like, (laughs) I I should just like state at the beginning of every news story. Well, the writers are still on strike. So this may happen. Just the disclaimer. It's just the automatic. Mm. Exactly. All right. Well, John, you guys ready to talk about Pearl? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. John, this was your pick. Would you care to share with the people why you chose it? Yeah, I was trying to figure out another way we can get Stephen and Leo on because we love them so much. Spoils of War, <laughs> go check it out. Go follow them. Seriously, we do love you guys. Leo um, laughed like he didn't believe us. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't help that your viewer, your listeners can't see this, but he's like drawing on his notebook, so he looks like he doesn't give a shit at all. Yeah, <laughs> to be, to be yeah, engaged. I'm still figuring notes. out the technical aspects of paranormal on stage. Yeah. Just to be clear, my ADHD helps me focus more when I have something to doodle, and uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't live in a world where I get people appreciating me on purpose because they want to. It's all you know, <laughs> usually horrible. So thank oh, you. No. 
No, we do appreciate you. <laughs> Appreciating you on purpose. Can people I, accidentally appreciate you? I guess. I don't know. Appreciate you, bro. Oh, no, wait. Uh, you're not Damn it. Side, I accidentally appreciate you. No, I did pick this movie with uh, Stephen and Leo in mind because I've heard quite a few episodes, mostly Stephen talking about this movie and Leo mentioning it as well. But it's a movie, it, it never flew under my radar, but it's always a movie that I, I had every intention on watching. I just never found the time. And I, I loved X. And after watching this, I am thrilled about Maxine when that comes out. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's why. That's why. And and I think, you know, it just kind of meets our level of being able to do newer movies, even though it came out in late 2022. But, um, man, I, I I can't believe I missed this when it did, when it first came out. Um, so I regret that. But that's why I picked it. And here we are. So mm-hmm. it did your, your pick did its job. All right. Yeah, certainly. Well, fellas, I think it's time. We must decide, does Pearl fuck or suck? John, I think you're up first. This movie um, is a vintage, feels like 1918, 1920, uh, in a lot of clothing. However, a very kinky, fun, um, memorable. And, and I emphasize memorable because this movie is. It's a memorable fuck that I will go back to again because I liked it so much. Oh, Randy. All mm-hmm. right. Uh Leo, would you care to go next? Oh my. Um I'm going to have to put this in the category of fuck but with the caveat that it's one of those fucks you get when somebody has been extremely braggy about how great it is oh, and no. then you you get into it and it's not the experience you were hoping for. The overhyped okay. fuck Okay. Exactly. The, oh, yes, the overhype, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the dreaded overhype fuck. I've been, I've done that myself. <laughs> you have provided an overhype. I've, I've actually done that myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a letdown, yeah. Stephen. <laughs> how about you, sir? So, as far as the Oprah hyping, that's not necessarily me. That could have been anybody. But let's just put that out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as whether this fucks or sucks, like two friendly ladies walking down the road in a black and white porno with jovial attitudes and hairy bushes this movie fucks okay unequivocal how about about you jacqueline you always go last does uh pearl fuck or suck well i would say as anyone would do when they come upon a horrifying scarecrow in a field with no one Mm -hmm. watching pearl fucks (laughs) hydroberg what about you uh yeah this is a lay down in an I'm gonna have a similar one to you. This is a lay down in an empty patch of cornfield and makes sweet, sweet love to its silent protector until it gets so hot and kinky, all that damn corn starts popping kind of fuck. This film fucks that hotly. Wow. It's a hot fuck. Damn. Okay. Popping that corn. Popping it. Popping that corn. <laughs> yeah, pop, That's popping a, all that... types of things. Scarecrow stuff. So so what are you guys doing tonight? We're gonna go pop some corn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be popping. Never had a popcorn fuck before. That's interesting. <laughs> that sounds a little sounds a little bit sharp. Um, you ever seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space? No. Constantly, yes. Constantly. <laughs> Every time I He's just running house. in a loop in his house, like 24-7. I saw that movie in the theater when it came out, and I was with my brother, and we waited. We heard people, you know, coming in and out of the theater. We waited to the end of it, turned around and looked. Nobody was there. We were the only oh. two. So oh what we heard gosh. was people leaving halfway through the. That's because the clowns got them, bro. Leo, you just made the it out of there. Got... 
the song from that movie almost made it onto my playlist this year, but mm. I just I was out of space and I just had to cut cut it. So oh well. Ah, the Dickies. I actually so I saw this movie in theaters. I saw um I saw Pearl in theaters. How was, was that theater. experience? It was good. I'll get into it with the review, but it was it was good. Yeah, I, I saw it in theater too, theater. and I thought it was kind of an ideal way to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I'd been able to see it in a theater, and that was just Same. one of those times it didn't happen. So I just mm. watched it on um, Showtime or Paramount, whatever the fuck it's on. I don't know what it is. <laughs> All right, well, I, I, I wanted it on Voodoo. So okay, U H D. You're a Voodoo child. Voodoo. Wow, 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 wow. Nice. Wow. You picked right up. You picked that one right up. Thank you, uh, John. Shall yes. shall you drop the spoiler warning so we can get into some detail? Oh, I shall drop it. Uh, we're going to be talking about Pearl from 2022 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, do yourself a favor, pause the podcast, go watch it, then come back to find out what we thought about it. Yes, please do. Heidelberg, do you have a, uh, a popcornish reach around for us? <laughs> I have a reach around, popcorny reach around. Popcorn. <laughs> By the way, it's very. Stuck in my throat. Oh, yeah. Better moisten your throat a little bit. Yeah. There. Uh, what were we going to say? I was going to say it's it's nice and fitting that uh, Rob from the Circle of Jerks is pairing up with the, you know, master reach around. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Think about yeah, yeah what we can do together. The <laughs> Very re- apropos. Reach around yeah, the not, Circle of Jerks actually. that we could do. Yeah, you got to somehow tie that into the show. You know, the, the jerky reach around or something, the circle reach around. Well, yeah, the reach around is a it's cut above exclusive. A cut above exclusive. And I don't really want to add poems to another podcast. It's, it's a lot of work. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. right. He's right. only one man. Yeah. But um, no. Yeah, I have a reach around for this film, though. Please. Mm-hmm. A cut above exclusive. <laughs> the Hydroberg reach around. All right. <laughs> Ready? Yep. Farm life ain't for some. To a girl named Pearl, it was no fun. Towards fortune and fame, our girl she'd run, at least in her mind. Her mother at first seemed unkind, but she was only afraid of the face her daughter wore behind. That mask of naivety and innocence, murder and bloodshed became a common instance. All of Pearl's troubles now past tense. In her mother, Pearl saw a mirror. Alone on this farm was her own inner terror. A connection to her root she must sever. Pearl not meant for this life, she craved something greater. Bodies chopped up and fed to the gator a girl's best friend by the name of Theta, a daughter who expected the world. As the projector kicks on, the room starts to swirl. Visions of murder from her mind they unfurl. A gem meant to shine more than mother of pearl. A trail of blood led to an audition. Failure at that only worsened her condition. A sit down with Misty cause she'd listen. Now off of the ax, her blood it glistened. Howard came home, walked right into the kitchen. Pearl greeted him with lemonade. In the dining room, her parents displayed. With a smile to make you shudder, this is the home that she's made. Very nice. Well done. Like good. whistle in my throat, though. It's like weird. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, yeah, add, yeah, let me add something real quick that Leo said about that, the overhypeness. Because the one, <clears throat> I, mean, I I didn't read a lot about the movie. I kind of knew the premise of it, that it was a prequel to X. But Leo, you had mentioned there's a little overhyped to this. Mm. I thought the monologue, because I heard a lot about that. I didn't know what was being said. But when I watched it, I was enthralled. I mean, I I, I kind of went into it uh, with the way you felt about it. Maybe, well, maybe not that scene in particular, but maybe the movie itself being overhyped. But I I thought, you know, that monologue nailed it. I, I, I mean, Mia Goth to me, and, and I'm gonna I'll bring this up anytime I see beautiful acting. Um, Mia Goth can do no wrong now. I mean, anything that she is in, she is spectacular. 
And that monologue was awesome. I agree okay, with so that. We're jumping right to that, but I want to hear. Yeah, I want to hear Leo's response. It's an unfortunate thing. I would have preferred to see this in the theater. I think Stephen's right on the ball with that, and it's probably the better way to have watched it. I just didn't get around to it. It was one of those moments where never really hit and caught it on streaming when it came out finally. And I, I think <clears throat> as much as I tried to avoid spoilers and everything else about it, there's just so much of exactly that. It's uh, Mia Goth is a new horror goddess. And this movie is the pinnacle of everything that could be and this scene and that scene. And you just can't help but hear those things. And as much as I try to tune it out, I go in expecting something earth shattering. And it just doesn't get there. Because how could it? And it it's why I really, really try to avoid these things when I see a movie for the first time, uh, especially when I see it late because I don't want to have it clouded by other people's assessments before I get to it. So just to clarify how this all happened, I was not the one that overhyped this because <laughs> I would start one. I would start talking about Pearl, <laughs> then I would throw my hands over my mouth, and then I would run out of the room. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I think Leo... like what you said, John, it's just mainly her performance just stuck out to a lot of people that I think a lot of people came out of the theater and or their first viewing of this film at home saying, man, you know, this woman can act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there's something about you know dual roles, and obviously we have to throw in some ex um, um, mentions in here just because it is the prequel to that movie. Um, you know the fact that she played dual roles in X, but she was a singular role. She she was this pearl character in X. It was just like it it let her. She could have sank in this movie. I mean, like like the character of Pearl could have sank throughout the movie, but she didn't. I mean, she was always up to eleven. It was almost like a, yeah. almost like a female version of Nicolas Cage. I mean, uh, never letting off the gas. I do think the film kind of rests on her shoulders as far as, but she's she is surrounded by some great actors as well. Like the oh, for sure, woman that plays her mother is incredible. Mm-hmm. But I do think Mia Goth carries the film for the most part. I mean, she's meant to. So uh, I think yeah, you, it, and. This uh, lesser actress would have maybe bombed or or dropped the ball a little bit. And there was a lot riding, too, because it's like, well, we're going out of X being like, well, what is this movie going to be about? You know, and I went into it a little apprehensive because I'm like, all right, it's a prequel. They kind of drummed it up on set as like an idea. But hey, Kill Bill started that way, too. You know what I mean? And I love that movie. So and then I went into Pearl almost. I don't know. Like, it's hard to weigh that next. I don't know where they stand as far as like which one I like more. Yeah, that exactly. is something that's something that I've thought a lot about is which one of these movies I like more because I like them both a lot and I think that X has themes that interest me more but I think that Pearl might be in my mind the better movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's better like visually and the stuff that they achieve with the theme and the thematically how it's like an old film, you know, the way it's shot, we get that old title card with Ty West's name, it's really cool the way it's done. I just love the aesthetic and I do think it's, I enjoy it. I think a little bit more than X. Um, X is just your kind of garden fair. Like it's a slasher, Texas chainsaw homage. It's, it's got stuff to say. It's, it's, it's really well made. I just, something about this, cause this is more like a character piece. I kind of like that we focus on just Pearl and how deranged she is. Like this fan, this farm girl fantasy sort of like character. I don't know. It's just an interesting character. It's way more interesting than her character was in X as Pearl. Like I wasn't as interested in her then. What do you I think, Jacqueline? 
Uh, you guys like somehow zoomed right in on everything that I have the most thoughts about. <laughs> like, I don't want to <laughs> just like dominate, but <clears throat> um, I I have to agree a little bit with Leo that some of the hype and, you know, I, I kind of tried to avoid it too. And I didn't specifically hear anything about the monologue. Like, I didn't know there was going to be this like enormous monologue. Um. But I was texting with I was texting with Hydraberg immediately after I watched it. And I I said to him, I actually I really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. Um the only part I'm not so sure about is actually Mia Goth's giant monologue. Mm. And to which I said You're what? fucking crazy. Is <laughs> no, I, said, I just um, said that's one of my favorite parts. And you're like, I knew you were gonna say that. I know, I was just trying to like make it a little more humorous. But um uh, I will say, however, so after I watched the movie for the first time, watching it for this, this is my second time. After I watched it the first time, I felt like the the writing of that monologue was a little bit too freeform and mm. like a little bit rambly and not as focused as I would have liked. Um, I feel like if it had been a little bit more focused, it might have more like clearly revealed aspects of her character because I felt like there was a there were competing i again this is the first time i watched this i felt like there were competing ideas in the monologue about her singular desire for fame and fortune like this like she wants to be a star but by the end of the monologue she's saying like oh all i all i want is for you to come home and we can make a home together and that seemed to be really at odds with what she was saying and so i i felt like there was just a lot of words in this monologue that and I didn't feel like the message of the monologue really warranted that. I felt like I wanted to, I wanted to trim the fat a little yeah. bit because <clears throat> I, I felt like the message was a bit. So that was my issue with the writing. I feel a little bit differently about it after the second viewing. I feel like those two competing ideas that I perceived the first time I watched it aren't really so much competing as like shifting so the way i interpreted her monologue and you know we can discuss this i don't know if you guys agree or not but i feel like at the beginning of the monologue she's really still harping on that the like i'm good i need to be a star i need other people to love me and Mm -hmm. and get as much adoration as i can to make up for all the suffering that i've gone through and the isolation that i've gone through in my life on this farm right Mm -hmm. um which is what she's been saying from the first scene of the movie. It's like, I want to be a star, right? But then I I kind of, inter- I feel like I understood it better the second time around, where by the end she gets to, I want Howard to come home because all I ever really want is to be loved. And so I think she herself comes to like a more honest place by the end of the monologue where she's telling herself she wants to be a star, but I think what it really comes down to is she wants love and the desire for stardom is like a misplaced desire for love. And through her talking, she kind of leads herself to this place where she realizes the like the heart of what she really wanted. Um, She doesn't really want fame and fortune. She wants that so that she can feel loved in her life. But really, that's kind of an empty sort of love that's not really fulfilling. And she she gets herself to a place where she says, like, I just want Howard to love me because I I don't have that. And I what's the line she says, like, I've been having such a hard time without it lately without it yeah lately and then this all does come off of the heels of her like her failure to at the audition too so i feel like that definitely helps her make the turn of like you know her mother's voice is ringing in her head of like you're gonna fail like 
Right. It's her mother's corpse that she sees at the um, the audition, which is great. And all the people that she's killed and Howard's dead body as well. Yeah. There's a and great contrast. Oh, sorry, Jacqueline. Oh, sorry. And I'll just say this one other thing. So that, that was like the writing aspect of it. In terms of the acting performance, that that's where I still felt a little bit not like not 100% even on the second watch. You know, X was really kind of more of an ensemble piece. Like, yes, her role was major in that movie, but there there were other really major characters, too. And in this one, you're, you guys are right. She's really asked to carry this whole movie on her shoulders. And I think Mia Goth is a very good actress, um, but I don't think she's like a great actress yet. Um, and I think there's something about her performance that doesn't totally ring true for me. Um, I don't know if it's the like the absolutely like continuous nature of it. Like I just I find it a little unnatural that she talks and talks and talks for like seven minutes and there's no break in or there's no like shot of Mitzi's face and see I like that. I like the awkwardness of the scene. It's mm-hmm. And I almost think it almost feels like Mitzi would have gotten up and left at some point. And she's just like kind of talking to herself. That's what I thought for a moment. The first time I saw this too, I'm like, there's no way they're going to pan back on this lady. She's still, still there. there. Right? Like, she just dipped. But she um... is. And she's appalled, but she's sort of like, oh God, what do I, how do I get out of this situation? I, I think so there's that. a certain that. gravitas that she, yeah. that she doesn't I quite have that. yet. And, and I, th- I think also, especially compared to what I think is the best acting performance in the movie, which is the mother. The mother um, scene is amazing. Her, her monologue. It's not, I don't know if you call it a monologue. It's much briefer, but like a rant. Her, her, yeah, she has like a rant, you know, this <clears throat> like an explosion of emotion where finally she lets down her like very stern and austere mm-hmm. demeanor and, and reveals her emotional truths and how, you know, she's suffering just as much and how dare you, um how dare you talk to me about regret after what she's gone through and she really like exposes pearl's selfishness quite starkly and to me that was the most powerful acting performance of the film my favorite scene and so by comparison i'm sorry but mia goth's monologue felt a little bit thin by comparison i think part of that might just be writing too and not just her performance but like the way the character is portrayed mia goth she's like She's like a child and sometimes until she rages out like an adult and does adult things. But I don't know. Sometimes it's just part of the way she acts. That's the true. Entire film. That's true. Uh, I'm sorry, Stephen, I... what were you going to say? I oh, kind of was on a, on a ramble. No, you, no, you're fine. I, I love talking about this. So I find the uh, two monologues to be on equal footing uh, personally, because I, I think they're just trying to achieve different things um, with the mother which I agree, she's a fantastic actress and she did not get the credit she deserved. Uh, the mother in this movie is fantastic. But she is, we're, she's unloading all this like pain and regret and anger and resentment that she has towards Pearl. And we're actually getting to see a side of her that we haven't gotten to see because all we've watched is her work and work and work. Mm-hmm. But then the other monologue, I, I, I disagree slightly. I find this to be a home run. Um, this monologue is meandering because she's just talking out of her heart and she's just saying the things that she feels like she hasn't been able to see. And there's this constant through line of the movie of, of her not wanting people to see her for she, how she really is. Every time a character says something about her, about who she really is, when the mother says it shortly afterwards, the mother catches on fire. Uh, when the projectionist says when she, he sees her as she is, she, kills him shortly afterwards Mm -hmm. and so 
I think that I don't know what else I would have wanted from her performance to nail this idea of I am sharing with Howard, even though Howard isn't there, how who I really am and seeing whether or not that's going to be accepted by the person who hears it. And she sort of just gets lost in it, right? Like, so she knows she's talking to Missy for a minute, but then there's a chance, I think, in her mind, too. Like, she may never see Howard again. He might be dead in the war. Like, we don't even know yet. And so, like, she's just sort of, like you said, she just gets lost in it and just starts unloading. And she's saying things she's never told anybody, right? And she's saying them to Missy. Missy's just in awe. She she doesn't respond. But as the audience, I, I like how we just don't, break away from her and it's awkward and there's something about it where it does feel like it runs on a little too long but for some reason it works for me i think it just there's something about it that makes you feel a little uneasy too while you're watching it you're just sort of like eh. i think the dinner scene's better that's like my favorite scene but the dinner I mean, scene has the aid of like the storm ramping up in the background and like oh. tensions getting and the tension just comes to a break point where it just busts open and mayhem ensues and the father just only being able to watch with a glaring eye. He can't fucking yeah. move. Like <laughs> it's a crazy scene. And yes, the mother, she's very Tony Collette, like hereditary in that moment. Yeah. And just kind of puts Pearl in her fucking place. But yeah, the mom actually has a great point, but I mean, it, it, I, I just had this fleeting thought, you know, thinking about Pearl is that is Pearl like this meta villain that is maybe trying to, not mask who she is, but just like, you know, she's, she's a psychopath. Yeah. She's a psychopath that, that really draws you like from, from the camera, like draws you in. You're just like, you feel so bad for all, you know, poor Pearl. But, but she's like a, she's a villain that knows what she's doing. Do you, does anybody else pick up the parallel of her being like the Dorothy character in the wizard of Oz sort of? A little bit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a scarecrow. This film is the set. The color saturation looks very Wizard of Oz or the sound of music to me. She uh, looks like Miss Gulch when she's riding a bicycle with a long dress. on. Yeah. Yeah. And like her mother's <laughs> sort of like a witch to her in a way. Yeah. Um, the projectionist himself could be like the wi- the wizard behind the man behind the curtain. Um, so and a lot of, yeah. And at the end of the movie, what does she learn? That there's no, there's place, no place, like place like home. Like home. Yeah. And yeah. we know from X that she stays there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Leo, you looked like you wanted to jump in. Uh, you guys are touching exactly on a lot of my major notes on all of this. <laughs> and uh, much much like Jacqueline, I didn't want to like uh, oversaturate myself in the conversation. But um, one Get thing I want to... And then I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just so to be preface shy. before I, I go on, uh, absolutely nothing against Mia Goth as an actress. I think Jacqueline, you said it correctly. Uh, in one way, uh, she is a great actress, just not exactly yet. It's in there, and we can see it. And I think that's the exciting part about it: is that when that explodes and uh, she proves through whatever next role or whatever it is that she's going to do, uh, it's going to be phenomenal, and she's going to be unstoppable. And I'm excited to see that happen. I don't feel it's there quite yet. I don't think she's she's hitting it as hard as she could yet. Uh, but everyone else in the world does. And I think that's that's the disconnect that I have is like, I see it. I acknowledge it. It's there. I don't see that it's fully developed yet. But everyone else is like, she could do no wrong. She's a queen. She's, you know, everything. And that's fine. I, I'll give her that. Um, Leo, you did want... see her naked in Infinity Pool, right? <laughs> no. She's a great actress. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's, na- she's naked in X too. So yeah, <laughs> she is. Wait, what an actress. She is. <laughs> so is Brittany Snow, and that that I mean, surprised ooh. me in X. What an actress. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you up. No, you're fine. Jacqueline's um, like cooling off. <laughs> oh, so many hot people. I, so many I, hot I people. <laughs> I I want to I want to touch on the monologue a little bit because it really dives into the heart of this. I think for all of us, it sounds like, which is really cool. In that, first of all, as I've never made it, I don't know, uh, I've never made anything hidden or been shy about my mental health struggles and all that. And when you finally reach a point where you feel like you can trust somebody for whatever reason to sit down and explain your real self to them, you know, warts and all, the reaction that she got from Mitzi was exactly what happens. Just yeah. to put that out there, when when you're when you're finally at a point to just dump it all out and and feel safe enough to do that, I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody sit on the other side of me with that exact same stunned expression of fear and uncertainty and what the fuck on their face, and they they don't know if they should run away or if they should stay and help, and they're not sure what to do or how to handle it. So for me, that hit home. That was that was you know pretty deep. I ask myself then, like, what what is this trying to do? What is the movie trying to say? Like we all do. Uh, I feel like did Pearl monologue to Mitzi because she sees her as a true friend and she felt safe or because she finally succumbed to her truest self and there's no longer any need to hide it. I think and it's then the that, I think it's the latter. Yeah, right. So when you get to that point and your your mind is like, time to let go. We're just here now. That's all there is. And and I start thinking to myself that Ty West is making movies, and this is not to take away from the great character study that this movie is. I don't think it's about Pearl or or Maxine or any of the other characters as much as it's about movies and their effect that they have on us. Mm-hmm. Like all the details point to this for me, e- even as far as she's naming all of the pets on her farm after Hollywood stars. You know, yeah, like the influence that the movies have on her, the, the hold that they're taking over her is evident and it's consuming her life and it's giving her these delusions of grandeur. And it's a really Maxine had the same, had the same issue. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's the thing is that, that Maxine had, uh, I'll use the movie terms, the X factor Pearl uh-huh. did not. Yeah. And when Pearl came face they bring to face that up with that too. inevitable reality and her delusions got shattered yeah, it, it drove her to this monologue, to this moment of this is all I am. And I, I can't be more than this. And I realize it now. And I don't know. I, I think it was a truly powerful scene for what it was. I I acknowledge, again, the character study that's here. I think it's really great. I think they're doing a fabulous job with it. I think giving Mia Goth the opportunity to write a good deal of the script mm-hmm. and help shape her character really helped bring this home into a version of reality that we would not have gotten otherwise. And yeah. I think that's pretty powerful too. Yeah, I like how the film came to be. I think it's an interesting story mm. too. And <laughs> Leo, it- if I if I can just jump on one of those points, I totally agree with what you're saying about movies uh, and how they affect us. Because I think it's also built into the structure of these films, like how the X was such a love letter to slashers and Texas mm-hmm. Chainsaw and yep. 70s porn. And mm-hmm. how this is such a love letter to the movies of the 19, you know, of the 1930s and, of, yep. mm-hmm. you know, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So I, I couldn't agree more. And I think and inevitably that's why people like an didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And they have such a strong divide between X and Pearl because, uh, I mean, this, this, these two movies basically sum up Stephen and I and how we approach movies <laughs> because cool. he's, he's all Pearl and I'm all X, you know what nice. I mean? And it's, it's right. not that either one of us dislikes the other one. It's just, there's our preferences right there. And you it guys defines... both fuck just differently. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Mine's an artful fuck. <laughs> yeah. right. But I, it, there's in that. You're going to room... say yours was a scarecrow fuck. <laughs> that was a pretty hot fuck. Going I was it. waiting for Farmer John. Like, be my right when great, she was orgasming. That's me. How how we rate this did, fucking movie? Shh. Did you guys? Did, were you guys picking up any um? He who walks behind the rose. Uh, I'm surprised you guys don't have any jokes about that. No, I was picking no. up me at twelve making out with my pillow. Is what I was picking up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I really like to think that when when like John when you're watching this movie. <laughs> And you're yeah. like, who are we going to cover this movie with? And she fucked that scarecrow. You were like, spoils of horror. That's it. Those <laughs> fucking guys. Scarecrow fuckers. <laughs> I, I do want to get a little serious. Uh, Leo, I totally appreciate you sharing that because it gives a lot of perspective to that monologue. And it means a lot more. I mean, again, I saw it from a different perspective. This is like, this is absolutely my first watch of this movie. Mm. You know, I know a little bit about it. Like you, I don't like reading spoilers. I don't like knowing what happens if it gets spoiled who he cares just like spoiling things for other people yeah. jack what he's he like spoiling things for other people Art yeah you just like gun. spoiling things for me thank you I, i'm sorry <laughs> i got you back though yeah you did, <laughs> yeah, you did. so you know um, what i found interesting is with x when we meet pearl and she talks to maxine the way she describes her past it's like like she was a dancer and had to put it to the side right to become a housewife or whatever and then we find out in this, it's like she just failed a fucking audition. That's as far as it ever went. Yeah. And like that but was it. Her delusion and her yeah. mental health would have convinced exactly. her that yep. she was there over yep. the years of right. staying on that farm. Exactly right. Yeah, the delusions of grandeur, man. Yeah. That's that's what it was. And it yeah. was just like, you know, because she saw herself when she was doing the, the whole She's routine. Larger than life. Yeah, she, she just felt like all the lights were on her and she's just mm. smiling and nailing it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Steven, All right then. Well, we're done. Okay. When there's five of us, it's always like, who's going to talk next? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like that improv game where you don't want to say the next number. And... So Theta's well, the Gator, right? Am I right? No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, uh, this was one of my questions, and this is kind of the perfect moment for it, which is that one of the things that makes Pearl hard is that we've we've all covered tons of franchises and it's very easy to talk about the singular movie in the franchise. I think it's very hard for Pearl because these movies, I, for me, I, they made each other better because yeah. because seeing X, right, seeing X made Pearl better. But I watched X afterwards and it, and seeing Pearl made that better. Nice. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I haven't made me want to watch since. X again. Yeah, yeah, yeah I haven't watched Same. X since I saw mm-hmm. Pearl, so I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, I'm going to watch X again, and I am actually really excited about Maxine because oh, 80s. Come on, all wait. of us are about the same age. It sounds mm-hmm. like it's going to be like a slasher whodunit. It sounds like it's, it's supposedly based around some kind of murder mystery. Like she's going to be embroiled in this like mer- maybe mystery of like girls getting killed, you know, like actresses or mm-hmm. I don't call girls or something like that. Are she's going to be involved in I, I, all of us have played video games, right? Uh, Jacqueline, yeah. have you played video? Okay, I'm, no, no. 
This this franchise or the, these three movies feel like it's like a Grand Theft Auto. Everybody loves or like you have your favorite, right? So it's like Grand they jump around different eras, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. And then yeah, yeah. Grand Theft Auto uh, Vice City, which, by the way, that was my favorite, you know, or Grand yeah. Theft Auto San Andreas. But I mean, it's just like like pick your poison. You're gonna have fun with it, you know. And well, again, Leo, you, you have such valid points about this. Same with you, Jacqueline. You know, uh, as far as is Mia Goth on that peak of greatness? Absolutely, she is. But she's just got to do that one extra thing. And maybe it's Maxine. Maybe it's Maxine that that just really takes her over the top. To me, this performance at least should have got nominated for an Academy Award. I don't care about any of that. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't disagree I don't, with you, I don't, but I don't either. <laughs> but I've got to bring it up. Anytime I see a performance that really just kind of shakes me, moves me, uh, entertains me, it just... And, and it's like Tony Collette or or Lupita Nyong'o from from Us. You know, it's just yeah, like, the mother like in this. The mother, I, yeah. supporting actress. Come on, yeah. When you can get people up there who actually do their job well enough to resonate, like mm-hmm. me looking at these two during the monologue and going, "That is exactly how people are." When I talk to them, the few mm-hmm. times I've been able to openly share, you mm-hmm. know, like it, it's it's real enough, and that's a hard thing to accomplish at the best of times. You know, uh, and they they nailed it. And this movie is, I don't know, for me, it's it's definitely the character study that everyone's talking about. And I'm, I I really did everything I could to keep the opinions and the overhype out of my head when I watched it. And for me, it goes back to, uh, I don't want to say a mental health struggle, but just the 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 influence and the delusions. And and I don't really have the right articulation for it. But there, there's so many moments in the film. Like uh, when they're when they're driving down the road, the projectionist is driving her home, for example, and they see the soldier on the road and she uh-huh. looks back because maybe it's her husband, maybe not. And he said something like uh, there's an exchange like, do you know that person? And the projectionist says, like, it's hard to know anyone these days with all the masks, which, of course, is in reference to the Spanish flu, which, of course, is in reference to the pandemic we just went through. But also the masks we wear day by day all the time yeah, around like- each other. Even uh-huh. with the best of intentions, but in that moment, the mask that Max uh, Pearl, pardon me, was wearing for him and for herself to uh-huh. cover up and and to be this version of herself that she wanted him to see, yeah. and the metaphor of the mask is just deeper and bigger play uh, than than simply the, the little paper mask on its own, and that goes throughout this whole film. That that's such a constant theme throughout this whole movie. Mm-hmm. I, I saw this movie during COVID too, and it was. Uh... It was kind of surreal, too, because it's going on in the film. They're obviously, mm. you know, nodding at it a little bit because they're making it during that. And then to look <laughs> around, some people knows, are still wearing huh? it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it, it never felt like try hard or anything like that. It just no, 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 made the film a cert- feel a certain way when you're seeing it in a the theater. I just, it kind of sat with me for a minute. Like, damn, we're dealing, dealing with this right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm so glad we're having these conversations about pearl and her mental health because while i don't necessarily look at the movie through that lens there was almost controversial that i was like i don't even know if i'm going to bring this up or not which is that i feel empathy for her yeah and i think that that is a that that is a strength of the movie because Mm -hmm. even though she kills people and even though that's terrible she never asked for this desire to kill her and her mother didn't ask for anything that they were given and for me, in my interpretation of the movie, Pearl's desire to the kill is a nature thing, not a nurture thing. Mm-hmm. It's something that was within her mm-hmm. at at some point. No one knows why she was born. She was a bad seed, 
from like your yeah, earlier episode. She was a bad seed. And I feel a lot of empathy for her because I think she knows it. Mm-hmm. And I think she knows that something's just wrong. She has some wonderful lines about it, about how like uh, when she's talking to the projection, she has some great lines about how like other people act and how other people must feel. And so I'm so glad we're like digging into this idea that like Pearl is she's the villain. She's 100 percent the villain. But I do feel for her a lot because she's he says something like, why would you want to be normal? And she's like, well, I don't know. Those people seem more like peaceful, they're more peaceful. Meaning mm-hmm. the inner turmoil that she's dealing with on a daily basis, which mm-hmm. she, she's not letting him in on at that moment. I love that yeah. moment with them, too. Like, he gaslights her, but I love the moment of, like, him giving her the frame of the picture and how elated she was about it. And just, like, the conversation they have about, like, it's admirable. You take care of your folks, but, you know, you got to live for yourself, which is, like, true in a sense. But, you know, he's sort of gaslighting her, too, because later on he obviously <laughs> gets laid. But um, I, I don't know. I, did, I didn't take that as gaslighting. I took I just, a little bit. It felt like genuine, but also a little bit because then he's like, I could see you on the screen too. You know? I was yeah. taking that as him flirting with her to get her back in there and yeah. uh, have that night. Yeah, with that's her. what I took it as a little bit. Yeah. Mm, I, I don't, don't think know. I got like a total creep, what? but you know, I like how he shows you the, the stag movie. Why don't we watch this? You know. <laughs> also, I got a quick note for that the stag movie. There's it's it's you know, it's an early porn basically. There's a guy, he's like groping a woman up her dress, and then like he's like rubbing her bush. And I'm just like, what are you doing, bro? Like, his hands are just, like, rubbing one spot. And she even touches his hand. Like, I'm waiting for her to guide him. And I'm just like, bro, what are you doing? He's got no technique. That's all. He's just... I was just. <laughs> it was nineteen. It was like nineteen fifteen. Men were not aware of the existence of the clitoris. The clitoris yet, so yeah. just... I could tell. Oh no, that yeah. that didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, the clitoris. What the same way that? therapy didn't exist back then. Just yeah. women just were emotional fact. and had to be dealt with. Hysterical. You know? yeah. Women's <laughs> orgasms is just a fad. Hydroberg, you're asking a lot from a porno that literally had the girls just frolicking in a circle. <laughs> but I do like the scene of her because she's so like childlike a little bit in that moment because she's in the movie theater too she just loves the pictures well i think also again you're bringing me to like another question i wanted to ask you guys which is that you know x is so much about sexuality um but pearl i think covers that same ground in very maybe subtle and not so subtle ways and so it's about identity too right right and so i think that this scene where she sees the porno is 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 such like a I don't know, maybe like a shadow to what we're going to actually deal with in X. I'm kind of mm. curious how you guys yeah. read this. Because he does talk. He says something like, oh, these movies are going to be it. Like, it's going to revolutionize mm-hmm. the the theater, the, the yeah. movie industry, which he's right. But he was like 60 years too early. But he's right. Mm-hmm. And then Dwayne says something similar also about VHS and porno. Uh, was so Dwayne the, the, uh, the time cameraman was, yeah, in X? No, Dwayne was the uh, oh, Wayne. I'm sorry, Wayne. Wayne, Wayne. Oh, Wayne, yeah. He was the film guy, the guy who right. I don't the, remember yeah. producer the guy was yeah. running the, the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there's a mention of the X Factor too. I do like when she fails her audition. He just says, like, we're just looking for something with like more of an X Factor. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought for a minute, like, should I Google? Is that even a fucking term used back then in the nineteen eighteen? Oh, but I don't know. Did you get out your like, etymology? I didn't want to I didn't want to harp on it. I'm like Stephen will <laughs> get on it. <laughs> yeah when we cover this on spoils of horror we'll spend 20 minutes on that porno yeah. yes you will can you invite me on for that show <laughs> <laughs> that was a watch a stag, stag film. film 
Yeah. One yeah. one weird thing, and you say that like she doesn't know certain things she's doing always, but the, the bathing in front of dad, it's weird. It's it's never like overly sexual, but it's sort of weird. I, I think... kept waiting for it to get weird. Me yeah. too. I think a lot of what Pearl does is calculated, but not in a malicious way, more like her her demons are controlling her kind of way. Yeah. Like she like doesn't see anything wrong with, with it. Or... She doesn't yeah. Well, I don't even know if it's mad. mom does. But she doesn't say anything, but it's the way she walks in the room and kind of interrupts it. Yeah, I just think Pearl, like, I don't know, like, there's there's that scene where she's praying uh, before the shooting star shoots across the sky. And she doesn't pray for her family. She doesn't pray for her dad's health. Mm-hmm. She she just prays to be a star. You know, yeah. like, this this one thing is consuming her so much and, and controlling her so much. I don't think that she's fully aware of some of the things that she's doing. And yet... She does these things like killing that goose and feeding it to the gator and getting her dad out on the dock and, you know, tempting the gator and things like that, that are absolutely calculated to meet an end. Well, you know what that goose did, right? It interrupted her show that she was performing for the rest of the night. Fucking goose. Yeah. She fucking had to put it down. Damn you, Um, Betty Davis. (laughs) I love the moment with the gator, too, and the dad. Because you're like, as an audience member, I'm like, is she about... She's going to feed him to the gator. I mean, we all know what the gator mm-hmm. does. And we've seen it in action in the last movie, too. So we're like, oh, shit. Did and we then, ever get we word should... on what the dad was, what his ailment was? So oh, I never said. I thought it, I thought there were kind of two possibilities. It was tuberculosis or something. That's what like I that. thought, yeah. Oh, well, maybe I was off then. I thought either he contracted the Spanish flu. And I don't yeah, know what the Spanish flu, like what the, you know, effects on the body he were. He didn't speak any Spanish the whole time. So I didn't think so. <laughs> So See. racist. Yeah, it <laughs> it's been a while since you set me up for a good one like that. Yeah. Um, I thought either he, he had some kind of like lingering effects from the Spanish flu, or I thought that maybe he had syphilis because when Ruth, the mother is, you know, she finally loses her cool and she like kind of is berating Pearl and talking about you, you want to go whoring around and um, dancing with the, you know, these girls and, who contracting who knows what kind of disease and spreading it around and then like just a beat or two later she says something about you know just like your father and I think so she meant the disease that he picked up um not right i know and so like it's, the one you know, it could have been innocent like could have been the spanish flu like just the germ that's out there but it was just a couple of beats after she's talking about pearl whoring around mm. yeah and so and syphilis could have like really devastating effects on the body like it can yeah and so ask I, Al Capone. So I thought it was oh, the way support? she takes care of him. I just I thought that was like, a possibility. That's all I'm yeah. saying. I never, well, I explains, never picked that up. But who knows? Explains a lot about why she's so germophobic. Mm-hmm. Like whatever, yeah. whatever reason it is, whatever he contracted and came down with, uh, the fact that it changed her life so drastically that she became, as she said, his mother or his caretaker yeah, rather than his wife, wife yeah. and mm-hmm. destroyed whatever future she had planned then anything that could bring germs and disease into the house was forbidden. And she was very, very paranoid about it. She's also scared of because of his health, the way it is, like it could get worse if she brought anything else into the house. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting theory though, because like the idea of him getting an STD is so like in theme with these movies. Yeah. With the other Mm -hmm. movie too. Yeah. And also we've been talking about like everybody's performance and even because he just sits there, it's kind of like you forget about it, but like uh, what's the actor's name? Sunderland, Uh, Matthew Sunderland. Like he's really good. He's in this great. role. There's moments yeah. of like 
pure terror in his eyes and his face. There's that moment in the kitchen, just in general, like the the dinner scene, which is just amazing. I love that scene. I love the the fucking thunderstorm, the rainstorm in the background. It can seem so hokey, but it works perfectly for that part. And when she comes out of the the basement having dropped her mother down there, the look on his face is just like, he's like, I don't know what to do. And then she leaves him there. And she that, leaves I, him. She fucking leaves him. That and it, I didn't realize that until after I watched the movie. And I know Stephen Leo, you guys have some experience with this, but to play catatonic like that, I mean, that's got to be impossible because you want to make like a twitch or something like that. You get like a kink in your back or something. But I mean, this guy played it great. I mean, anybody that plays that kind of role, it. it it's a different level of acting. I'm, I'm not going to say the projectionist like, goes into the room and he's like drooling out of his mouth. And she's yeah, like, he know. brings a lot of emotion to it. I yeah. really think the scenes where he's scared of Pearl are uh-huh. fantastic. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. scene when she comes downstairs and she's dressed, she looks amazing. She's ready for her audition. She mm-hmm. looks great. She's the princess, you know, and she goes, daddy, like, look at me. How do I look? And you just see the single tear come out of his eye. She she's a monster in his eyes right now. And she sees I, that. That's when she ends up killing him right after. But I, I love the oversaturated color in that scene. Uh-huh. Like that scene with the bird looking so yellow and how it like it reminds me of like Hitchcock movies from the 50s. You know, it's yeah. just oh, that scene just looks so good. Mm-hmm. How would this movie play out if they brought it back to theaters and they put it in black and white? I, I think it would hurt the film. I think yeah, the so. Technicolor is a real strong choice. Mm-hmm. I would rather 3D. If anything, <laughs> if you're going to do something gimmicky. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was some talk about shooting this in black and white, um, but they decided not to. And I, I think that was the right choice. Yeah, well, I, I just think the saturation. I, I just think it does play as an older movie. You know, I mean, there's no, totally obviously right. I mean, the, the modern, you know, uh, um, thought of a pandemic and people wearing masks. You know, that was actually, like you said, Heidelberg, it's not in your face, but it's actually a really nice nod to that. But obviously they were going through that back then. Yeah, I just yeah, it fits the time frame perfectly. Yeah. And, you know, or, or, you know, bringing up the fact that it could have been a Wizard of Oz, you know, that it switches back from black and white to color and, you know, just mm. kind of gives that, that, that kind of saturation of both. I had so, a question. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to throw a trivia fact in there, um, which you may already know, but in preparing for this film to try to kind of conceive of the tone he was going for, Ty West asked Mia Goth to watch The Wizard of Oz and Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. No oh, shit. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's cool because she can which get it totally both. works. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I saw a lot of Baby Jane influence in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yeah. A lot of the bet that Betty Davis vibe. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I, no, I just had a question just like there's a there's a good, a decent amount of deaths in this. Uh, there's not a ton, but there's some really cool ones. And I just was wondering, like, were there any that really stood out to you guys? Like, whose death did you kind of like the most? And or what bit of gore did you kind of like dig the most in this film? Because I thought I, it does some of the gore really well. I, I don't know about gore in particular, but I really, I really, for me, a great kill is about the scene, not about the gore. I love gore, mm-hmm. but I love the scene. And for me, it's Mitzi's death. I love the... Yeah. low-key music and i just love that tracking shot of her of her slowly walking away yeah and and her uh, th- that performer she's really good too because she's trying to strike that balance of <clears throat> of when do i fake that i'm not afraid versus and just run. when i go into outright <laughs> fear and she makes all the right choices in that scene it's really i i think that's probably my favorite death 
it's gorgeous too. The shot, the whole shot, the tracking shot, the kill, the pan out of, and you get to just the, the red barn in the background and uh, Mia's dress too. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good kill. I'm so glad you said that, Stephen, because that was one of my favorite moments because there's that moment of uncertainty, like Mitzi leaves and she's like, you can imagine that on the inside, she's like, oh, God, I'm so glad I got out of there. Now I just I just want to get home, you know, and there's like, you know, a moment where she's calmly walking away, but then Pearl very calmly steps out of the door. Mm-hmm. And like, if she hadn't, if Mitzi hadn't heard what she had just heard, you know, she might think that's, oh, just one more goodbye. All right. See you. Thanks Mm -hmm. for stopping by. It could be totally innocent. And like you said, Stephen, there's a moment where she's still, you know, she's not ready to run yet, but it's just such a fantastic bit of tension that we as viewers are like, oh shit, she's coming out of the house. And it's a great Hitchcock moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but I think it takes Mitzi a moment to like get over her politeness and enter into self-preservation mode. And that, that, pause and like we as audience members like wondering when is she gonna switch over when is she gonna like when is she just gonna run you know and so it's like a fantastic little bit of tension it's like a little limbo moment you know yeah i actually really love the setting of the riding parents in the kitchen oof yeah with the pig Mm. um it was gory but but you know we brought up Hitchcock, and it's just like that scene at the end. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling Psycho for you all. Like, you <laughs> they know, already caught it. Um, but yeah, I mean that reveal of of the mom of uh, being being dead and, and just a skeleton, you know. And Norman Bates was was the mother, but the fact that like it, it would be like like if Norman Bates had just freshly killed his mother. And she's sitting at the table and he's having a sandwich with her and she's just sitting there. And it was like, it reminded me of that, you know, I like that that shot, build up. yeah. And if that shot was in black and white, like if they intertwined black and white with this Technicolor, I mean, it would have, I don't know, like for me, it would just added a little more to it. Maybe. Uh, I do like that scene. And there's like a build up to it where we get to see Pearl like cleaning up the mess. She's cutting up Mitzi's body and it's like fucking just, Oh, the axis is going right. Oh, yeah. And it, like the camera's just like leaning into it, like check it out. And then she's just like tossing her limbs into the lake for the alligator. <laughs> and it's just so like, oh god. And then we see her like, you know, she drags her mother's corpse upstairs and sets her up with dad and the, the pig. Um, I actually, I I love the mother's death, but it, like her actual death, death, I guess, happens off screen. But like the the fight and her being lit on fire, and then in order to put the fire out, uh, she's uh, uh, Pearl throws scolding like hot corn water onto her to make matters worse, mm-hmm. uh, which like scolds her too. But I do like, I think, I guess his name's Johnny, uh, the projectionist. Because on my notes, I just kept calling him the projectionist. I got tired. Cause that's Did they ever say his name? He says something, au revoir, Johnny, or something like that. I, don't, I thought he... When, when she pushes his body yeah. into the lake, yeah. she says, au revoir, Johnny. But I, I okay. could never tell if that was like a joke. Or or, uh, yeah, I thought that was yeah. just a Hollywood thing. I didn't. Yeah, know I couldn't was tell, so name. I just kept putting him as projectionist. And, hmm. But his death, I thought, was pretty cool. Um, just like you know, it's coming. But like, I thought she was grabbing an axe, maybe or something, and then she comes hmm. in with a pitchfork and just—it was kind of visceral. I just like how he's got stabbed, and then like has the car and drive and starts like rolling forward, and then yep. when he falls out, and she just like fucking gives it to him right in the face, and then leaves him like that. That's what I love hmm. that she leaves him like that. 
And all the things that she's screaming too, of like, you're not going to keep me here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, not going to keep me yeah. here. Yeah. I love too. When she, we mentioned the cornfield when she uh, rapes the uh, scarecrow, but <laughs> I love the moment. And before I love the shot of like her going up on the post and going like face to face with him. And it's sort of like romantic looking. It's weird. Like the way it's shot. And she like is in his face. And then, when she gets him on the ground and she goes, when she, I just like how she just bugs out and just goes, I'm married. <laughs> oh. yeah, I, I wanted to ask you all. So that was like one of the parts that was in my notes. Yeah. So that scene is so easy. Like if, if Leo and I were covering the show, we'd do two things with that scene. We'd make a ton of jokes, but then we mm-hmm. would actually talk about it. And so my question is, what does this scene do for the movie? I think it works. I think it's actually a great scene. I think it says something about Pearl, but I'm curious from you guys, like, what do you think this scene is in the film for? The I, 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 yeah, yeah scarecrow I, scene. I, I, I actually think, you know, it adds to Pearl's psyche. You know, yeah. I, again, Lee, you were talking about mental health. So it, it's her psyche of, you know, just, just getting attention wherever she can. Um, I didn't put a lot of thought into it because like for me, I want to watch this movie again and maybe pick more up on, on what that scene was about. Because to me, the thing that captured my eye was the, the realistic look of that fucking scarecrow. (laughs) The scarecrow looked like a corpse with its eyes closed or eyes like, like, like like sewed together or whatever. It it was like, to me, that scarecrow looked fantastic and i just went dancing okay. with and, and then and then we had a fuck scene with the scarecrow and it plays on like like you said her psyche her her, her runaway imagination uh she's sure. just lost in it you know what i mean like and also her fantasies too as a young lady has her husband's away and she's having a little moment here it's make-believe mm-hmm. but she gets into it and you know even her own conscience where she says i'm married you know there's moments where she has moments of her conscience where she looks back in her bedroom and sees her husband's picture. Like there's little moments where Howard comes into play. Like, See, I think it goes deeper than just a surface level psyche thing. Cause I think this film at this moment needed to show you in her mind. It needed to give you that look of what she's struggling with and the demons she's fighting because until now, nothing very serious or weird or untowards happened. It was mm-hmm. just her, little farm girl struggling with an overbearing mom and having visions and dreams of being something bigger than she was. So this moment in this film right now opens that door and says, here's what's going on in her head. Here's how, how her brain is a little wired different. And not only is it, I'm going to dream about being this rich, uh, not rich, but this famous celebrity loved by everybody, but then I'm going to take this scarecrow down and I've been pent up because my husband's away, so I'm getting that out. But then it's not my husband. It's this projectionist guy, and that's guilt. Now I feel guilt, so I have to scream at him, but I'm going to fuck him anyway and climax to it. It's this whole look into who she is as a character from that other side of the door. Yeah, Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think that there's two things about Pearl that are true at the same time. And I want to be clear. These are two totally different things, but they're both true. She has this odd darkness in her. And so the scene is kind of showing you a little bit of that, but she's also, and again, these things are unrelated, but they're exist at the same time. She's also hypersexual. Uh-huh. And I, and I think that that matters because I think that we see a lot of that in X and uh, the, the, what, the reason I bring that up is because when you 
when you are hypersexual or a person that's hypersexual and that is stifled either by the time period you live in or the circumstances of living alone on a farm or the circumstances like an ex where she can't have sex with her husband. He is not able to have sex with her anymore. That can that can be uh, that can I guess I'm losing the words here, but like that can be really debilitating for you. That's not a fun place to be in. Mm hmm. And so yeah. I think that we're seeing all of this kind of come together in a very awkward scene that I think is great. I love the way that the film, the little film uh, frame is what takes her into that scene. It's like, you think it's going to be magical and it's, mm -hmm. then it's, uh, then it's yeah. something quite different. Oh no. Depends on how good away. the sex was. It might've been magical. There's a good jump scare there too, with the birds <laughs> when she like yeah. opens the corn up a little bit and these birds pop up and it just kind of gets you because there's not too many jump scares. And I was just curious, what do you think Malachi and Isaac might've thought if they had walked in on this happening? <laughs> Oops! <laughs> Stephen, I'm curious. What makes you um, what makes you think that Pearl is hypersexual? Uh, so I thought that in X, I thought that that was one of the uh, one of the themes that was coming out of that movie. Yeah, I feel like uh, that's established in that. Uh, because it's not because she, I don't feel like it's just that she's watching these characters make a porn and she's like, oh, I want to be a star. I think it's that she actually wants to be in a porn and that I think it's, re it's related to her desire to have sex with her husband, who I think in both of these movies, she authentically loves, despite the fact that she commits murder and has this real evil side to her. I think she really does love him. And so I think that seeing these women being able to have this sort of like very open, fun, sexual self that they can explore, I think is partially Dream, what yeah. really, yeah, I think there's what's partially mm -hmm. ignited in her. <clears throat> I think that that just is hinted at throughout this movie. And that may be me putting my own story in there, not necessarily that I'm hypersexual, but like I can connect with these ideas of like having a sexuality and being in a very small town where that is something that is that you feel like you have to kind of like push down and hide. Mm -hmm. And so I may be putting my own story on there a little bit, but yeah. out in the scene with the scarecrow. And I think it also comes out maybe a little bit with her affair with the projectionist, but, but, but I also just think that in, in the moment where she has sex with him, that she's just trying to feel better about what she's done. But I yeah. also think it comes out in her intrigue in the porno. You know, when she's in the movie theater, she's not offended by what she sees in this no. old stag film. She's excited True. about it. She's interested it in it. I get the, the reason I asked the question is because I feel like using that prefix of hyper, like hypersexual to me, that has like an implication that it's like excessive or beyond like outside like of the normal yeah. bounds and outside and of normal bounds. And to me, I'm just well, like, to me, that just you, seems like regular sexual, like yeah. her let me, let me, and her sexual. Let me speak let on having an addiction and uh, no, it's not an addiction. I think it's I, just having a drive, you know, and, and, uh, and Stephen, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's also, <clears throat> you know, when you, get into a very uh not a dark place but like in a position in a relationship where you're just like no I, I i'm good however the other person is like no i'm not good you know i mean it's the same thing you could say yeah. about relationships you know it, Let me it's just, like go ahead oh, i just want to clarify so my saying the word hyper means yeah. just that there is a median and there mm -hmm. are some people that are below okay. the median and some people that are above the median sure okay. so I am Thanks using that word to I just say more above the media. It is yeah. not meant to be a negative on her. Okay. Fact, that <laughs> right. is, Thanks. That's what I just wanted to clarify that because I didn't think you would mean it that way, but it just, I thought you were, 
insinuating that it was like abnormal no. or excessive somehow and i didn't think that was what you meant but that's no, why no I no her, I, I, her, I, I, her, I her motor ends her motor runs hot yeah, i think in that does. time frame too i mean she could be seen that way as well you know with other females of her age that they would see that as hypersexual like her behavior. but also and, and Leo, I mean, you're talking about her mental health, but I mean, it, it's just she she always has this craving for attention, you know, even if it is with an inanimate object, you know, she just she needs the attention. And then Many all of, of us sudden, have relationships turns. with inanimate objects, John. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jacqueline, uh, you actually Jacqueline, go us. ahead. Describe. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm done. What are you saying, Leo? <laughs> I, I was saying you touched on this earlier with actors. Um, the the thing with actors is, generally speaking, uh, I don't want to come across as a blanket statement for everybody, but we are people who did not get enough love in our childhood, so we're looking for external love from everyone else. It's true. That's I know. <laughs> like generally, I think most actors would agree with that. I can't think of one in my life that I know who wouldn't at this point. It's just how that gig is played. That's how that is. And when you're confronted with that. I, I think one of the, what this touches on with me is I, I think in X, we were led to believe that Pearl is a uh, overly sexual person, uh, much like Maxine. She she just has that drive. She has that desire for more, whether it's because this is how I'm going to feel loved today or whatever else. Maybe I miss my husband. However, it may play out. She has that drive that it's supposed to be something that's consuming her and more. And in Pearl, we really only ever see two instances of her sexual drive. So it part of the problem I have with prequels and having to shoehorn in all the information from the previous film is that, you know, now you're you're creating a character who doesn't seem to have the same drive that you illustrated in this other film. And so it doesn't really mesh the way we were told it should have. I can see that argument. Yeah. But, but yeah, sure. did Steven, did you mention that <clears throat> watching uh, Pearl made you want to watch X and you enjoy, or was that you, Jacqueline? I, I forgot who said it. Yeah, it, it's that you want to watch it. You get more enjoyment out of getting those things. You know, the way they intertwine was good. So uh, mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying, Leo. And, but I think it's, you know, there is this kind of nice wave in between the two movies right now. Here's, here's but, one thing that this movie did for me. Uh, we mentioned I'm really more curious about Howard more than anything now because I see that how this movie ends and what Howard walks into and the fact that what he loves this woman enough that he just stays with her forever and helps her kill people because he supports her mental illness. I was going to actually pose this question. She killed people that were close to him, his sister. So like, Mm -hmm. how far does it go? What happens when his mother starts looking around? You know, like what happens there? I mean, the question is, why did he stay? Yeah. They stay mm-hmm. on the farm. This is the home she made him. But it's not like she covered everything up nice and clean and was like, mm-hmm. and never told Howard of it until later, <laughs> till outburst happened again. She literally well, just shows it all to him. You know, that she, I've lost my fucking mind. Welcome home. I made <laughs> and life gives you lemons. You know, my parents are dead, but I made lemonade. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Just make a rotting pig corpse. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot that the movie can get away with because there are some closed loops in the sense that like, yeah, he's going to know she killed her parents, but she can tell that story however she wants. Kind of makes him less of a villain in the in the, in X to me. It's like he's sort I think of a he, victim of pearls as well. Uh, my interpretation is that he knows everything personally, but oh, yeah, like 
the bohemian is a bohemian you know nobody knows who he is and the sister ran away People to go to the audition would call me a bohemian. so what were you saying about the sister Sorry. oh uh she um she ran away to the audition so no one's ever gonna know where she oh, yeah i guess yeah you could make that up you could be like yeah she won but she never shows up for it for the well but she never I mean, what i'm saying is that she left her house didn't yeah. tell her mom she was going to this audition. That's true. She didn't tell her about the audition. Well, so she can explain some stuff away, but that doesn't really account for the fact that she has propped them up like dummies and placed yeah. a rotting pig on the table and is sure. acting like, hello, welcome home. Like, you know, she can explain away like, oh, you know, my it was a mercy killing for my father and my mother attacked me. So mm. I killed her. Like she could explain away the deaths themselves, but not this macabre like um, tableau that she has. Yeah. Set and up sometimes here. passed since she set it up, like she sat down and had dinner with them. Mm. And then yeah. we see that at least a week's gone by or so. And they're just sitting there still in the house and she's living there. Like the food yeah, got mauled on at this point. It talks to Howard's <clears> mindset <throat> as well. When you know, like, was it just true love that made him say, you know what, we'll, we'll cover it up, we'll call it good? Or maybe the horrors of war, he was just happy to be home. And that's what I right. thought. I, I, I was welcoming him. Yeah. Because it was what, World War One? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this period. So, yeah, that's what I thought too. But it's fascinating because when we take this with X and mm-hmm. Howard is not just covering up for her shit, but actually participating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is it is it really just I, I don't know, I'm 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 really interested in this aspect of it, because this is a man who just went through war and came home and found this. This this is what's waiting for him. And she's lost her damn mind. He can see that. And I know I made a joke earlier about, you know, women being emotional in the early 1900s. But this was a time where people treated their uh uh, mentally challenged siblings and sons and daughters and whatever else as a dirty secret to hide away. So mm-hmm. rather than hiding Pearl away, maybe they just hide away all of her mistakes. And I could kind of see that. But then when we get to X again, he's fully participating in what she's doing. And there's this guy trapped in the basement, hanging up and there's this other shit going on. And, yeah. you know, he's part there's of the, all that, you know, that for years, this has been going on. Yeah, to me, that doesn't make him less of a villain. It kind of makes him more of a villain, in my opinion. I guess. But it's what changed him? What what turned him from, I'm, I'm just this guy coming home to the woman I love, to being as crazy as she is? That's what I'm saying. I want to see, like, the Bonnie and Clyde days, like the Mickey and Mallory Knox days of those two, like, <laughs> killing people and learning the way, like, how did they get to the couple that they were in action? You know I mean? mm. Well, and also, also in her monologue, she says to Mitzi, like, you know, as if she's speaking to Howard, you know, I was flattered that someone like you was interested in me because you're so good. Yeah. And the truth is I'm not really a good person. Mm-hmm. So he's so, so she sees a contrast between Howard and herself, like a fundamental difference, almost like maybe if she clings onto him, you know, she has other reasons for wanting to cling onto him, but maybe if she clings onto him, it'll make her more normal or like rub yeah, off like, on he- her somehow, you know, and like, banish the whatever darkness is inside Even of her an ex i feel like he like those victims that they have it's like him he can't perform he's trying to get her someone that she can have sex with in the you know the dungeon that's why that guy's like half naked so like she's he's doing this for her out of love for her like he's always mm-hmm. just i guess been in love with her enough that he'll do whatever i yeah, just I thought that. about that I just thought about that. Kid Cuddy is a Marine because he he talks yeah. to uh, Howard at, 
being a Marine, like hoorah or whatever they say. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah, there is something about Howard that we just don't know. And to be fair, it's just it's not cut. his movie. Right. But, mm-hmm. Well, but there's just something about him that we just don't know because these movies yeah. aren't about him. But mm-hmm. but there is this type of guy that I've met. Maybe there are women that are like this, too, that will do anything when someone loves them. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's mm-hmm. not a huge leap. For these characters, for this story, for the horror movie that we're watching, it's not a huge leap to think that he could find out what happened, that she could cry and say, I love you, and I need you to help me cover this up. And that that would set them down a path. Because you get a sense in X that every time that she's done this before and he's always controlling the situation. He's protecting mm-hmm. her. He doesn't, he doesn't want these people making this porno to like get her too excited. You yeah. know, you, you get the sense that he's always doing some kind of damage control and mm-hmm. you can get the sense. And I said this before, they, they really love each other. Definitely. But that, I still think there's another leap there where it's like him participating explicitly. Like when well, he blows he that does. guy away with the shotgun. Yeah, yeah, because he like doesn't want that guy just... with the long dick fucking his wife. He's like, no way. <laughs> I'd rather one of the other guys fuck my wife. <laughs> yeah, I just think the leap is something that we're not going to know because it's just mm. not in the movie. It's, you know, yeah. it's between 60 sure, years sure. of, you know, 1918 versus the mm-hmm. 70s when this sure. uh, when the other movie takes place. I'm just fascinated mm-hmm. by the characterization there. So, yeah, it's oh, interesting to oh. see where he came Again, if this were our show, Leo, we'd be talking. Ed, we'd be like doing skits about like what this conversation was like. <laughs> Let me show you the lake. <laughs> it's just then, Mitzi's like head floating in the lake. <laughs> the alligator Domino's, comes out. <laughs> Domino's pizza guy comes out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, hey, I think I think it's all so it's free. <laughs> sorry this was 35 minutes there's a dead lady in your lake sorry i was driving on my model t ford i just bought it by These the way really cool halloween decorations <laughs> did, you, did you guys see the auditions down at the church they sucked ah! <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh my god oh. you guys are so funny we should all do an episode where we just do our our characters and yeah. we don't show yeah, up at all there. Yeah. it's like a mixer <laughs> hold on yeah that's right it sounds like an episode so. of like an adult swim show yeah it's like we're all like roommates show are you from no we're a cuck above right that's right no we're a cup of love our podcast the cuck above oh yeah finally a podcast just for me oh yeah um so can, can can we like ground ourselves for a second? Yes. And uh, yes. I'd like to kind of go back and talk more about the mother, if if we could, just for a moment. Sure. I I I felt like in the early parts of the movie, I felt like we were supposed to not hate the mother, but really feel for Pearl that like her mother is so stern and strict. Um, so I hope I don't like incriminate myself as a mother here, but I actually felt like the mother was totally reasonable. I think she's sympathetic. I, I agree. I didn't. I, agree. I didn't. Right. I didn't they do portray her in a light like we're not meant to 
like her at first. Yeah, but I really um I really had no criticisms of the mother as a character whatsoever given the situation that they were in. Mm-hmm. Um she wasn't being mean just for fun like yeah. and she wasn't ordering pearl around while taking a load off and you know listening no, to the radio like with said, a box Leo. of chocolates. She's working her ass off all of mm-hmm. the time By trying herself. to keep this family afloat like amidst a shitload of bum circumstances. You know, they're I like think, she's German and, you know, is experiencing prejudice from people, which is kind of understandable considering the, mm-hmm. the war that's going on. She has to take care of her husband. She has mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, their livestock is dying. Mm-hmm. They can't get anybody to trade with them. And, you know, there's a pandemic going on. There's a pandemic yeah. and a war. Like that sucks. And yeah. her daughter, you know, kind of helps, but also has her head in the clouds. And, and she's trying to keep her grounded all the time. Yeah. I don't I don't think there's anything about the mother that's unreasonable at all. And I actually felt far more sympathetic to her than I did toward Pearl. Um Absolutely. there were times like I know Pearl is struggling with mental illness in this movie, but I also there were times when just her selfishness was just breathtaking to me. Mm. And I, I so think, it was it was I'm easier sorry. for me to sympathize with the mother. Sorry, Leo, go ahead. No, I keep cutting off. I apologize. I, I was gonna say I think that Ty West is doing a great job with this character to ask the question is she being cruel or is she actually afraid of what pearl is capable of and that's why she's so strict well i love that moment of dialogue in this in mm-hmm. the, the the uh kitchen or the mm-hmm. dining area where she does say mama you don't know what i'm capable of like meaning my performance abilities and the mother mm-hmm. just says oh no i know what you're capable of. i know what you do exactly and she and knows who her daughter is. She yeah, knows that's that the scene kind of that You can't fool your mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that scene is so beautiful. When she when the lightning strikes and she looks at Pearl and says, Oh, I know who you are. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then just hints at we don't know what the mother's seen. I actually think it's best left unsaid. Yeah. Um, I agree. We, we can assume it's the killing of the animals, but I, I yeah. wondered lots of different things. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's I uh, that is such a perfect moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad we circled back to the actress playing the mother. Uh, I agree with you completely, Jacqueline. I did find her very sympathetic. I think uh, sympathetically flawed in the sense She's that stern, but yes, you know what I mean. Yes, you have to bring some joy into your life. But I think that that character flaw of her not bringing that in was both understandable and actually made her more endearing because I saw her suffering both at life and a little bit at, by her own hand. Yeah. yeah, and she didn't really know have time to enjoy herself. She was working all the time. Her husband is an invalid. She had to take care of him all the time. She, I mean, they're literally in survival mode. That. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she doesn't. You could tell she doesn't trust her daughter to be alone with like her father and stuff like that. Like she's always, you know, when when she brings him down to the docks, that's when the mom interrupts, and that's mm-hmm. the first moment that uh, Pearl is sort of frank to her mother when she's sort of like, "Mama, why do you hate me?" And there's that moment when she's just like. They don't get into it there. It boils up to the point where they, when they have dinner and then it comes out. Well, I think it's also really important in that moment though, down by the lake, when the mother says life isn't about getting what you want. It's about mm-hmm. making the most with what you have. Mm-hmm. And until you learn that you're not going to have any chance of being Which happy. Pearl, we, we see Pearl does at the end. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. even says it mm-hmm. and she says it what, when she's killing Mit- uh, Mitzi, right? I think. Yep. That's the tagline yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I do like that, the way she kind of comes to grips with it. And that's why I think in the monologue, it works for me. Like, we get to see, yeah, here's what I wanted, and I was selfish. And now she feels like, well, I'll I'll 
it's so, like she cares about Howard, but at the same time, I almost feel like Howard's like, well, I didn't make it. So now I'm just going to settle for Howard. So it's sort of like fucked up, too. I remember mm-hmm. when Leo and I covered Terrifier that my problem with Terrifier, even though I, I really like the movie um, and I've come to really it's like the it, trash bag, right? It's definitely <laughs> the trash bag. Yeah. Um, it's it's done. It's that Art uses a gun. <laughs> it's when we were criticizing it or when we were talking about it, I didn't like the fact that the movie had no arc. You can have a movie be about the villain and still be have an arc. That's one thing I really love about Pearl is it knows that she comes full circle and learns a lesson. And a great villain story is when they don't really learn the right lesson, but they yeah. learn a lesson. And so I, I'm so glad you brought that up, uh, Heidelberg, because she does f- find her way to her mother's point at the end through all the wrong ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And had she just listened to her mother all along, maybe she would have, but you know, obviously she's not well in the, in the head. So always listen to your mother. <laughs> I mean, her mother was spitting the truth. It was just harsh to hear, you know, because her, you know, she's has, she has hopes and dreams and her mother, when she looks at her mother, her mother dashes those, but rightfully so. It's like, they live in a horrible, this is not a fun time to be around at this moment. Like no. there's a lot of shit. No, but like nobody's having any things. fun. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like that's Pearl's why the movies are so special to Pearl. Yeah, but I feel like Pearl, like, feeling sorry for herself all the time is, like, it's just, it kind of just yeah. adds to that selfishness. Like, nobody oh, totally. else is having any fun either. <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. just you. You know, again, if her mother were, like, ordering her around and just relaxing all the time, I mean, that would be different. But it's not like that. Everybody's trying to survive. Um, and Heidelberg, I think you said something along the lines of, well, it's kind of fucked up that at the end she just kind of settles for Howard and chooses to be happy that way. I almost kind of feel like through that shift in her monologue that I was talking about earlier, that the first time around I didn't really understand and I thought it was a problem. And the second time around, I, f- I realized that it like revealed something that I hadn't understood before. I think it's more like she real. I think she on some level realizes that the dreams that she had that have just been shattered were empty anyway. Okay. It wouldn't she have brought her Howard. what she really it wouldn't have brought her what she really wanted because she finally comes to the realization that what she really wanted was love. And I don't think mm-hmm. she's settling for Howard. I think she realizes that it was there in front of her all along. Yeah. But yeah. Jacqueline, just like Dorothy. She's making right. the best with what she, what she has too. Uh, let me ask you, Jacqueline, like that end shot. Uh, and this is like the poster art or the box art, whatever it is yeah. like her, that, that with that smile kind of tilted head Dude. and just tears. I think that was Mia's eyes. idea too. No, it wasn't. It was Ty's. It was Ty's. Okay, I thought it was Yes, it was totally unplanned, and he just never called cut, Mm. and so she just kept going, and he just wanted to see what emotions she would bring out. And I love her; like she starts twitching a little bit. Yeah, there's so much in that. Yeah, and and Jacqueline, I'm curious of how you felt about that scene. I mean, is that her just like accepting everything, or is she just putting on that fake smile? Yeah, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a mask, but I also think it's like like a desperate seeking of approval. Like, are you going to love me now? Like, can you you stay? Like, I'm, I, I'm, I love you and I'm ready to be your wife again. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm domesticated. Is this okay? (laughs) Um, Even when it's like clearly fucking not okay. No, Um, it's not. But I think, I think there's like, tragedy in her face and like uh like a a desperate desire for love and approval and acceptance and Mm -hmm. um like can can we just have like a normal life can i just be your wife and can we just be husband and wife again um all of that is true and 
I I'm speaking from my own shit here, but uh, this is abject fear from somebody who has finally come to terms with what I'll cite as her demons and making peace with who she is and what she's done and is at the risk of losing the one thing that could give her what she's looking for. The one person who could stand beside her, the one character who might with any luck at all still be on her side, despite everything that's happened. And she has to know that he's okay. And she has to be with him because if she, if this doesn't work and he walks, she's going to turn into something absolutely horrible. And uh, you know, who knows what that will bring. So she's standing there with this fear consuming her, but trying to put on the smile that Jacqueline has so very uh, eloquently pointed out is for all those reasons that mask again like it's going to be mm-hmm. okay let's have this relationship will be and fine. she's just holding it there until she sees yeah. what until Howard he says is. yes yeah or yeah. no and then that will determine who she's going to be going forward it's mm. a good point which is to your point it makes the most beautiful shot of the movie because I like it. it's, it's, it's awkward. This, loved it. Yeah. yeah. And I love and, the loophole, the peephole sort of Looney Tunes uh, ending where it edits like right around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Around yeah. Iris in. And, yeah. And my interpretation of it is not that it's happening in real time. No. But that, but that it is, you are seeing, a, it's, it's like a microscopic moment. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, this is all happening in three seconds. And, and you're totally right, Leo. She is waiting to see how he will react. Mm-hmm. But but the movie is just like zooming in on it and just stretching it out so you can like zoom out and see every emotion that's happening. When you're in that mindset, one second feels like 100 years. Oh, and yeah. That's what we're looking yeah. at right there. Mm-hmm. I was He's laughing though because the last bit of approval. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about like, what's the conversation next? She's like, <laughs> I did kill everyone, but my <laughs> hand job <laughs> technique is amazing now (laughs) so (laughs) been practicing i've got some corn husk up my hoo-ha but you know yeah i got a corn cob corn cob butt plug they call it shucking for a reason (laughs) i've been working hard i'm just saying that there's a there's a trade-off here (laughs) we finally have the farm to ourselves I love the close-ups of the pig too. The fact that the pig is left out, like for most of the movie, is just like the mom could have got rid of the pig at any moment too. Like she was alive for a while while the pig was still outside, just in the heat. I want to appreciate actually what Ty West did around this. And I don't know if you guys caught this or not. This is a time of famine, yeah, and with the war and the the pandemic and everything else, and they have plenty of food throughout the movie because they're on this farm and they're able to grow and cultivate and so on and so on. Her and her family don't have to worry about the famine part of what's happening in the world around them, mostly due to the hard work, as Jacqueline pointed out, of her mother and uh, everything that she's been promoting and trying to buckle down and, and save the family and all this. Once mom dies, all of the food is shown as discarded or thrown around or rotting yeah, as a Maggie visual yeah. yeah the the visual of this is for me at least is, i think it's brilliant because it displays pearl's feelings on how their how those feelings are slowly rotting away and eating at her over time as mm-hmm. the movie goes on mm. That wow. must have been a fun set to work on with 1,000 <laughs> maggots crossing. <laughs> yeah, those are, those are like real maggots. And they, yeah, they, they can't get away from it. it. 
It's yeah. not a Toby Hooper set from 1974. So <laughs> uh, one scene I did like, just real quick, the alligator uh, scene where she smashes the egg or squeezes mm. it, and it just like kind of intercut with Howard coming home from the war, and then it looks like he stepped on a mine or something. It's just kind of a weird scene, but I just kind of love that. Gruesome. Was that her and her mind trying to get rid of Howard so she could? I don't know. Yeah, it's, guy, it, or it's an egg too. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we find out that she miscarried a baby. I guess she had. I mm-hmm. hope it was a miscarriage. It could have implied that she got rid of the baby as well. I think it was a yeah, miscarriage. She was unclear. just grateful that it died. Yeah. I think Ty West just also loves to take these sort of like magical moments and then take them in a really dark direction. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like the bicycle scene where she has the little um, frame of film and the wind takes it away. Like mm-hmm. it's going to take her on some adventure. Well, watch the sacrament. Right I mean, you you feel inspired, and then you don't because you realize yeah. what it is. Yeah, <laughs> Ty West. There's not a ton of them, but what do you think about like the any of the Easter eggs or the the things that kind of there's there's I I noticed mostly camera work that reminded me of shots from X. Like we open this film with the exiting of the barn again. It's the same shot that mm-hmm. we open X with, except yeah. X yes. comes out of the barn and exposes mm-hmm. like all this carnage that's gone on. And then mm-hmm. this film opens up and we see like the beauty of like the farm and the area, like the, mm-hmm. the land and stuff like that. And there's a couple shots of in the house, like the, the shot with the doorway. We keep seeing the doorway out into yeah. the, the, the porch. We get that same shot a ton of times. Yeah. In there. There's like little moments. Hyderberg. And the only thing I picked up on was that it was the same location of yeah. X. I mean, I mean, the shots like that. But again, you guys may have more on that. But for me, it was just more. Yeah, this is nothing too in your face. No, it wasn't. Uh, Well, guys, I think we've we've run through this one pretty good. Um, Were there any other major things you wanted to add on before we wrapped it up and gave our ratings? No. Okay, that was a resounding no. I I have one question. (laughs) Yes. Well, actually, we could do it after the review. I just was I was just wondering, uh, like, who who prefers which film a little bit more? But obviously, maybe we'll do the reviews first, and then everybody can say, "Oh, I got one answer." Yeah, let's save it for after the reviews. All right. All right. Okay. John, this was your pick. Please start us off. It was. Uh, this was a very good movie. I, I, I really, really enjoy Mia Goth. Um, I think everybody's made great points that she's not great yet, but I still really, really enjoyed her in this movie. Um, I'm going to make this really short, by the way. Um, the acting was fantastic all the way through the story. Felt fantastic. I felt like I was in an older movie in Technicolor, like Steven said. Um, man, it's really hard to knock this movie for anything, but um, I'm going to because it's my first watch and I want to watch it again. I'm going to give this a 9.5 out of 10. Um, we talked about it. Scarecrow venereal diseases. <laughs> Oh, okay. we broke we broke Jacqueline. That's not at all <laughs> what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> wow, uh, my iPhone yep. keeps wanting to autocorrect all of that. <laughs> straw rot Scarecrow. is a real straw rot's a real problem. Real yeah, problem. I, I, I guess it is. Back in <laughs> 1918, yeah. Watch uh, out for those weevils. Yep. <laughs> Most people just get crabs. Oh, well done. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. We're yeah. giving this SVDs. That's what we're giving it. Oh, yeah, that's I what just we're doing. didn't know that's what you're gonna say. Oh my god! I, I, I don't think you guys keep bringing it up, and I was like, okay. "That's my fucking 
Okay. We never say it. We just hover. All right. 9.5 out of 10. 9.5. Goodness gracious. All right. Steven. That's a lot of scarecrow dick. God damn. Okay. (laughs) Ask me a goth. What is happening here? Steven, would you like to go next? I'll jump right in here. First of all, I'm not going to make this any better. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not the person to save this from a dirty conversation. Leo, wait, never mind. Leo, go. That, I don't go with him. Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just put I'll it as SVDs? Man. <laughs> go ahead. I'm just going to put it as SVDs. Okay. SVDs. <laughs> Got it. Steven, go. Um, so it's no secret I'm a big fan of this film. Uh, I saw it in the movie theater and I was instantly fell in love with it as soon as it started doing this, uh, the sort of cursive text and the barn opening up to the new farm that looked very different than it did in the previous movie. I love the way that Ty West has made this series that isn't just about these characters, Maxine and Pearl, but is also about taking a time and an era of film and layering it over the movie. He did it so well with slashers in X and he's doing it so well with this almost a musical. Like you almost expect these characters to break out into song, especially when you first meet our main character Pearl in the barn and she's talking to the animals and she's saying that she's going to be a star Mm -hmm. and everything in this movie. And it's the hyper color saturation looks a little fake and boy, do I think that that's a great choice, but, but that all fits into this, this veneer that's put over the film of this wizard of Oz type adventure. That's going to happen throughout the movie. And I just love it. And you talked about the uh, opening uh, Iris shot, or there's a lot of scenes that are edited with a wipe. So it wipes across the screen, just like it did in an older movie. When she runs and kisses the projectionist because she feels bad about basically killing her parents. If you didn't know what had just happened, you would think the scene was actually quite romantic with all the beautiful colors. And again, the way the iris sort of closes around the two of them kissing, even though the music is really scary and really dramatic. I don't know. I could gush about this movie from moment to moment to moment. I really like it. I've agreed with a lot of different things that I've heard here, but one thing I will disagree with just to put my point in there. I don't think Mia Goth has anywhere to go. I think she's there. I think she's doing great work. She's giving me so much um, faith in this, uh, in this, uh, in this generation of actors because I see it as a very safe generation of actors that are far more concerned about looking good for themselves than playing characters that are changing and tough and don't make you look good. And Mia Goth is doing that in spades. And I'm so thrilled with the work that she's doing, but I'm happy to also give that space to the mother who's excellent in this film and the father who's also excellent in this film. There's nobody bad in it. I will take up way too much time on this podcast going over what I love about this movie. I think it's pretty fucking perfect. I'm not going to dig it for anything because it would just be fake. It would just be to do it. Um, I don't want to give it a 10 because I just nothing's perfect. It doesn't feel right. But I will go with John and I'm going to say this is a 9.5 scarecrow venereal diseases, (laughs) whether that's weevils or hay rot. Or, or, Weebles or but yeah, button falling off of eye. I don't know. <laughs> Manure a, going up your butt. Oh um, whatever it is. All I I can't wait to see the pamphlets on those <laughs> handed out at school. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Do you I have think... hay in weird places? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a great movie. This is a fantastic film. I've got friends in low places, but (laughs) how low can you go? Leo, (laughs) would you like to go next? Well, sure. Um, Everybody who has ever heard me talk about films in general knows I'm not a big fan of origin stories on the whole. Uh, I can cite Star Wars for that as a great example that I can only ever see what was an amazing villain as Annie now. And it sucks. Um, This is pod racing. (laughs) one of my main issues with prequels in general is you already know where things are going to go so it takes away some of the impact of what the movie is trying to do which forces them to try harder to get there in new and different ways in order to make up for the lack of surprise and sometimes they nail that and sometimes they don't this film was wise to be about something different um they stepped into the past to connect this with x but it takes a different path and kind of allows you to uh, put your own pieces in to get to that movie. And it's it's recreating old movie techniques without becoming a self-parody or mocking them. And I can give a lot of respect to that. Um, I, I appreciate how the story works really, really hard to bring us closer to this world and the mindset of a misunderstood character. Steven said that so very well. Uh, humanizing the villain by allowing you to get it without necessarily condoning any of it, if that makes sense. And I I think people went into this movie expecting another slasher like X, and what they got was a character study of a woman's descent into madness and a look into the sympathetic villain, which, as I said before, is probably why most people are so divided on whether they like one over the other, etc., etc. For me, Pearl is... I'd say it's a movie about the belief that you are more than you are in this moment and how that belief can drive you for good or bad to be who or what you're meant to become in this world. Uh, I think it's a rare good prequel with a great movie all uh, standing on its own, let alone part of this, what I'm assuming is going to be an amazing trilogy of films. Um, Fingers crossed, man. I'm not as in love with it as other people have been. I, I'm not praising it to the moon as other people have done. I, I still think very highly of it. So I will give it an eight out of 10 uh, sexy scarecrow fuck diseases or whatever the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> sexy fuck diseases. Was that one of the, was that one of the songs in um, Rocky Horror? That's right. I'm just a sexy scarecrow. That's what Leo says. That's what cut cut that out for Stephen and Leo so we can put that in there uh, because they got a special. Anyway, anyway, moving on. Hydroberg, (laughs) what's your review? Uh, Yeah, my review uh, for Pearl. (laughs) Ah, yeah. So I think Mia Goff's performance here, I think it's really well done. I do think I'm more with Stephen where I do think she's sort of like. I think she'll grow even more, but I think she's already, there's a range in this movie. It's mostly she hits one note kind of in this movie for a while, but she does it so well. And the moments where she wigs out, like, I love it. When she's being dragged away from the stage at the audition, I I love how, like, manic she is and, like, bawling her eyes out. Um, The part later when she's crying, just snot's coming out of her nose, and, and Mitzi's just like, let me walk you home, like. And we know what's at the house, so we just know what she's what she's already done and why she doesn't want to go back there. Um, I just loved it. I enjoyed her 
so much more in this than I did in X. I liked her in X, but I loved her in this. And I mean as Maxine. As Pearl in X, she was okay in, in, as a character. I, Pearl was a decent enough um, character in X, and she, she was like a sympathetic villain because she wasn't like her and Howard weren't like horrible. Hor- they were horrible people, but at the same time, like very sympathetic. You could understand kind of where they're coming from, but there was a mystery to what was going on with them. And we see a little bit more of that in this with um, Pearl, but I think she's just, there's, there's so much more depth to her in this movie. It's on a different level, in my opinion. And the performance of the entire cast, I thought it really shines also, especially the Scarecrow guy. He's pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, Ruth, uh, I think it, Tandy White is her name, uh, the mom. Uh, yeah, Tandy Wright, if I'm saying it right. Uh, she plays the mother, and she was excellent. Uh, my One of my favorite scenes of movies in the past, like, couple years was that i love that dinner scene it just i don't know man it's so intense it just ramps up i love the way it's shot i love everything about it. i love the sound design of it i like the score of this movie in general the score just complements so many scenes so well i think it's perfectly it could seem like hammy like oh they're just going old school like 20s 1920s but it all works for me everything and the scary stuff the scary music i thought uh ramps up the tension really good i do love the monologue in the end the idea that Mitzi is still there that entire time, just soaking it all in. And you think like Pearl must be talking to herself at, at some point, but Misty, Mitzi's still there. Uh, just the way it all plays out. I like, there's a rawness to that scene that I like. Um, I don't know. And, and you, like Jacqueline, you mentioned before, like the performance scene possibly maybe a little off, but I think maybe, maybe that's the point too. Maybe that's the direction is sort of, it's not meant to seem like lines given. It's sort of meant to seem off her head. Cause she's sort of just like losing herself in the moment. I don't know. I did like it, though, but I could see it being a negative. It's part of my gripe, too, but it's not really my gripe, but I can understand people having it. It's the monologue just, it's, you know, it's long. It's, it's overdrawn, but on purpose, and I like that it works. The gore is very well achieved in this film, too. The mother's death really stuck with me. It was just the fact that it was her mother, her own mother, the father has to watch and can't do anything about it, and just the brutality of it all. And then she didn't die right away. She was suffering down there. She was trying to get away twice. Um, just horrible. Uh but it's it's impactful, too. So I got to give it credit. I think there's like I mentioned, there's just like the amazingly awkward smile scene till she just tears up uh, that frame in the end is spectacular. Just I just love seeing that in the theater because I was just sort of like, wait, do I get up yet? Is it over? Oh, wait, it's not over. Like and she's just holding this moment. Everybody's looking at each other in the theater, too. Like, do we get up? Is the movie over? Um, I just love that. And it's this was a great theater experience. We touched on that also. I think it, that is the best way to have seen it honestly but you know, i think you still get a lot of what it does well when you're sitting at home um uh i think it's a solid sequel slash prequel that manages to fill out the body of this like proposed tr- trilogy that's upcoming and it makes me i think the first two i'm like wow i'm really surprised how good they are and they're they're connected pretty well so i'm excited about maxine and to see where it goes i think ty west has done some of his best work with these two films um he's done some great films in general but um yeah, I just uh, it just really fits all well in the confines of like this world that X established, like, and it's fleshed out this character of Pearl like really well, which I didn't anticipate with this. I was sort of going into this sort of like, well, I don't know what to make of what's Pearl going to be, and I was like really drawn in by it, and it's just gorgeous to look at. It's the aesthetic is just on the nose. They they just nailed it. With it. like I don't know the surrealistness. Uh, parts of it look like you could pause it and make a painting out of it. Some of it are out of a nightmare moments uh and it's so it just all blends really well i never felt like any of it was jarring it just i just liked it all um 
Like I could see this being a musical or a stage play too, <laughs> like of this movie. Like, and you could pull it off on stage really well. Uh, I don't really have too many. I don't know. There's like a couple of silly moments here and there in the movie. I think they're all played well because it's just sort of like I could see it as a con. There's moments of it, but you know, Mia Goth just plays it sort of like childlike and wonder. Like she's got this sense of wonder to her at times where you forget that, like, oh yeah, she just killed the goose. Uh, and then you realize, oh no, wait, she's she's just she has ups and downs and she's still deranged at the end of the day. Uh, but yeah, like there are moments where I could see somebody thinking it's a little silly. Uh, I really enjoy Pearl's confession at the end, but I can see that being a little bit of a negative to people that goes with the monologue. Um, I don't know. And some of the film does feel like fan service, but only slightly. It's hard to notice. I just kind of wonder, like, I think if you see this film without seeing X, I think you should just you know, enjoy a good performance and a good character study without knowing anything about x i don't think seeing one or the other really ruins either they just enhance each other if you do see them so it's not really a con i could see people being like oh there's another one to like and maybe that affecting their viewing of this but i don't know my my score has risen a little bit during the conversation i had it at an 8.5 and i'm kind of feeling maybe a nine i think i think it does hit that nine set it's just a, i don't know there's not too like you said Stephen. if you try to come up with cons to the film and you kind of feel like you're faking it just to try and have some um it's not a perfect film though but i do think it's got great rewatchability and i think the performance is really good uh, it might be a while till i watch it but i'm definitely going to go back and watch x yeah so uh nine out of ten svds <laughs> put something on there get some ointment or... <laughs> how about you jacqueline how are you feeling about pearl yeah i i overall i really enjoyed this film um i love stories about people descending into madness I just I love a good, you know, slipping of the mind away. I, I enjoy that a lot for some reason. Who knows? Um, <laughs> there's there's such a mixture in this movie of like beauty, but also macabre. And um, you know, like all of you guys have pointed out, it's so beautiful to look at. The color saturation is like a little unrealistic, but it makes it look so like shiny and rosy and like you know, like a musical. And um that's really lovely, but then that's also contrasted with some really gruesome images um, that are quite jarring. I think in a in a good way. Um, I love you know all the all the kills that you guys mentioned. I I love that horrific tableau of the dinner scene where like her parents are still propped up there, and I love the colors that are done in the makeup of those rotting corpses that you can just. I feel like I can almost smell and almost taste in my mouth, like the decay that must be filling that room, mm. you know, uh, it's it like it's palpable. Um, some of the repeated shots, you know, that we saw in X, like the split screen thing, and she's chopping up the leg here and throwing it to the gator and the other one. There's some nice ties to the other movie, and it sets up a lot of what we see in X. But as Heidelberg said, it doesn't it's not a harm to the movie. I don't think if you haven't seen X, like it, it can absolutely stand alone. Um, I definitely feel like I appreciated this more, this movie more and understood it more. And I understood the character of Pearl more after a second viewing. So, um, John, I would definitely suggest watching this again. For me, it was twice within like, I don't know, a month because I watched mm -hmm. it for the first time about a month ago, not realizing that you were going to pick it um, for <laughs> For now, but I'm glad that I watched it then. It was just like a Joey went to bed early thing, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll finally get around to watching Pearl. So, um, because that's that's the first thing I think of when he goes to bed early. I'm like, what can I watch? <laughs> Literally, I mean, I'm not even, movies. That's not even joking. 
<laughs> so uh, he went to bed early. What can I watch? So he went, he did that twice in a row and I watched Pearl and Scream 6. So I knocked out two things mm. that I hadn't had time to watch yet. <clears throat> I think Joey might actually, this might be one of those films you could have sat him down for me. No? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just know. I just know. He, like, he heard the premise the of X and he was like, this, this is, he, I think he watched about five minutes with me and he's like, this is stupid. And then he. So I just I don't think Pearl would have would have grabbed him. Um, I also think Mia Goth's voice may have made like great on him. Just the the pitch of her voice, I think, might be grating to him. Just knowing him as I do, I think he would not go for it. It is a little bit, I feel like, to anybody that it, she Sorry? just has one of those voices. She just has one of those voices. It's, yeah, it's... I can't stop hearing from Infinity Pool. And she's like, oh, my God. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's too much. But anyway, uh, and, you know, I. I didn't mean to suggest that I don't think Mia Goth is a good actress or that, you know, the whole monologue scene was like a a, a negative um, aspect of the movie. It just, for me, just the, the reason I even brought it up was that I just didn't think it was like, I think it could have hit a little harder for me than it did. That's all I'm saying. I still think it was good. I still think it was inc- like an incredible re- re- revelation of um, aspects of her character that maybe we didn't fully um see before so i i think it was a net positive is what i'll say but i just think you know it it wasn't like perfect for me that's Mm -hmm. just me um i i think that x was i think x maybe worked better as a horror movie and i think pearl maybe worked better as like a a drama and that's not to say that it's not a horror movie but i feel like some of my some of the things I like best are are stories that start out as like a family drama, like Hereditary. Like Hereditary is so magical to me. It has that X factor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so many of my favorite things kind of start out as as a family drama. And I one of my favorite themes in any kind of story is the idea of like a normal seeming family on the outside, but when you dig a little deeper, there's at the very least like dysfunctional dynamics. And at at the worst, you know, total like breakdown, like total, you know, just absolute like shit hitting the fan uh, within the within the like unit of the family. And so um, this this works for me on that level. And so it's not to say that it's not a horror movie, but I feel like it's grounded. It's rooted in a a family drama and um, with with the central relationship or for me the central tension being the relationship between mother and daughter um i agree that the darkness in pearl is innate but i but i also think that the way it's coming out of her i think it's exacerbated by her situation um her hyper sex drive (laughs) yeah i i would just call it a sex drive i I wouldn't say hyper (laughs) But so I, I think if I'm trying to be objective about it, I think this is maybe a better or more layered movie for me than X is. Mm. And so I, I went back and I looked and I gave X a seven out of 10. So I'm going to give Pearl an eight out of 10 scarecrow venereal diseases. <laughs> so that is it. That's it I do love the notion of Pearl being a Hallmark movie. I think that's, uh, <laughs> I think I that tracks in a lot of special. ways. I want like the Pearl and Howard Christmas spectacular. Yeah. Pearl. I wanna... Look, we're making pig. We made a roast. Maggots. We're cooking out. Oh yeah, like her and that scarecrow kissing in a gazebo. The scarecrow is the secret lover that she has to hide from the family, right? So she's yeah. got to bring it home for Christmas, and everything's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
her and I would love a scene where her and Howard, she's like, I'm pregnant, Howard, and she has the baby and it's a scarecrow. And she's like, <laughs> What the fuck? Shit. And I got a venereal disease. I would like to know who the farmer was that made such an an, an anatomically correct scarecrow that he could have impregnated. See, I don't really her. think the scarecrow did look like that. I think I feel like that was the scarecrow she saw. Like it almost looked human. Mm. I don't know. It's like no some scarecrows looked more like that back in then. That I scarecrow's think... fucking face and eyeballs, shit. Oh my god. That's a corpse. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it looked like. like. It was grotesque. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it did look real. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, would you fellas like a little bit of trivia? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll keep it relatively brief. Uh, but you might be interested to know that Pearl's monologue goes on for seven minutes and fifty-seven seconds. Holy mm. crap. And it consists of 17 shots, and the last shot goes for five minutes and 36 seconds. Wow. That's a long yeah. shot, I think. I feel like, yeah, yeah. that's where it, yeah. Um, we've been talking a lot about the actress who plays Pearl's mother, Ruth. Um, Heidelberg, you're right. The, act- the actress is Tandy Wright. She was the intimacy coordinator on X, which mm. I don't know what that is, but I'm inferring that it's somebody who makes sure that everybody is like feeling safe and comfortable during yeah. like mm-hmm. um, intimate scenes. It's like a choreographer, but yeah. they but they they get to like they also navigate people's consent and things like that. Okay. They're like, yeah. all right, Kid Cuddy, listen, now you're just you're gonna thrust and then you're gonna put your leg up on the bed, mm-hmm. like Captain mm-hmm. Morgan style. <laughs> right. That's what they do. And okay. then and, and they like and they ask and then they ask the actress, "Are you comfortable with this?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm cool. All right, see." That's cool. I it's nice to know that that is too. a thing. <laughs> we need a fluffer in here. It's nice to know oh, that that guys, is a thing that exists. Time on the job. <laughs> <laughs> he would never get that job. Domino's <laughs> guy would not get the fluffer job. All right. Oh my right. lord. Fair enough. So she was the intimacy coordinator on X and she was offered the role of Ruth on the shoot uh, um, on the first film as it was wrapping up. And according to Ty West, she learned a German for the role very quickly. That's my next question. Is she German? And she's not. And she was so convincing in her accent that she fooled two German members of the crew. Holy crap. That was cool. Yeah. Um, Already said that um, Pearl's alligator is named Theta after Theta Barra, who was an American silent film actress and one of cinema's earliest uh, sex symbols. She was on one of the posters outside the movie house for Cleopatra. Oh, so cool. that was Theta, Theta, oh. Theta Barra. I, for some reason, had a hard time saying that. Um, already said that one. Oh, according to Ty West, the homeowners of the house where the film is set enjoyed the makeover that they got on their house so much that they didn't change anything back. They just left it nice. as it was. They, like mean. the retro look to it that they I guess put so. in this one. Oh wow! I guess so. Yeah. Uh, I did so, like that reddish like wallpaper, the red and black like wallpaper. I loved it. Yeah, it was cool looking. It's kind of gloomy and gothy looking. Yeah, I was, I was into like it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you make my house more gothy, please? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Pearl's smile at the end lasts for one minute and fifty-one seconds. That's a long time. I kind of want to. Is time. it Cole Guinness? Cole Guinness, right now? Is that a record? Oh, yeah, probably. How long can somebody smile into a camera? Just not say anything. It's painful to watch, actually. It's like, oh, my God. It is. It's just yeah. turning beet red. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine, like, set a timer for a, a minute and 51 seconds and then, like, stare into the mirror and smile at yourself? <laughs> That's the reason why her eyes were watering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is so awkward. Oh I just she, was, she needed some moist in her eyes. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Use I those tears, Mia. Use those tears. That'll yeah. moisten them. Well, that's all I got, you guys. 
That's it for That's actually now. what I'm putting in my eyes each week. It's Mia Goth tears. <laughs> <laughs> They're very expensive. I get them online. Whoa. I know a guy. That was um actually like Shades of Antiviral, which is not a, a great movie, but no. All right, so that's it for Pearl. We did it. We're done. Yay! Yay. We survived. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys yes, so much for joining us for that. That was really fun, and I'm glad we got to do another recent film with you guys. Yay. Same. I had a great there time. were no vans in this movie, though. I'm a little, like, Damn upset. It. Yeah, there's normally, like, some kind of van or something in the movie. One of I mean, these can we days... count the army jeep? Oh, that's true. <laughs> One of these yeah. days, we're going to come back on here and do a crap movie. Okay. That is true. I've yeah. got one saved for you guys. You do? What is it? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Come on. No. Steven, no. First Leo. First of all, I, I doubt I, I, anybody's I, heard of it. Okay. Maybe Leo. Oh, but... well. Okay. Steven, Leo, yeah. we are thinking about doing a trauma month. How would that feel? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean we're not just it. thinking yeah. about it. That whole I mean, part of the schedule is already filled in. Yeah. yeah. Jacqueline. Oh, sorry. Well, you brought it no, up. No, well, we don't have all right. guests, so. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking about doing a trauma month. Uh, how would you guys like to join us for that? Whatever one uh, you want. You want to do poultry guys again? Yes, that's yes. what I heard. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I will gladly be part of that. We'll text you. Okay. All right. We'll let you <laughs> yeah. know. Keep it on the download. Don't tell anybody oh, else. Sure. Yeah, Absolutely. don't tell anybody. Thanks. Yeah, right. no, nobody's going to hear that, John. Nobody's going to hear that. Yeah. No one's going to hear it from me. I'll tell you that much. No, let's keep it secret. Yes, nary a van nor unibrow in this movie. I know. Mm-hmm. What a shame. shame. What a shame. If mm. only there were something we could do about that. Anyways, oh, who's next? a good week? idea for a theme. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be a good idea for a theme. Anyway, uh, next van week month. it's my pick. And okay. um, I had originally had something else on the schedule, but I changed it a couple of weeks ago uh, to fit the schedule of my guest that I wanted to bring on. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, we are covering another 2022 movie called Fresh. Oh, nice. We're finally doing it. Yep. Yeah, uh, it, it's on Hulu, right? Yeah. It was Hulu. when I, it was a year ago. I haven't okay. checked since then, but <laughs> I it, thought was, it was, was one of their ago. exclusives, but I could be wrong. I think you're right about that. Um, and we will be hosting another guest next week to talk about Fresh, but I'm going to hold off on explaining next week. So. Ooh. Damn it. Mystery. Very it's going to be Steve and Leo again, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Surprise! Even you guys didn't know. Hey, <laughs> We've scheduled We're back. coming back for you for fresh. <laughs> back as <laughs> Scarecrow, He-Man. Innovative disease from the Scarecrow, He-Man. Jokes on you. I have SPD. Oh my god. Uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you guys have seen Fresh already? I have. Oh, just Hyderberg. Okay. All right. Just curious. Okay. Not to be confused with Fresh from 1994. Oh, I don't even know what that Jackson. is. Yeah, it's an older oh. film. Good movie. Okay. Do it on Cinemigos. It's on my it's on the docket for Cinemigos. Well, it's on my list. Okay. Well, fellas, thank you so much again for joining us. I hope that we see you again very, very soon. It might Me not too. be next but week. Not too but... soon, yeah. But I believe <laughs> I I believe we'll see I, I believe we'll be seeing you um in much shorter order than the time that has lapsed since the last time that you were here. Hurrah. Trim up your eyebrows, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yep. We'll keep it clean. Little, we'll be ready. Get one of those little like groomers. <laughs> uh in the meantime, anybody who Manscaped, wants to Manscaped, sponsor us. Is it a pocket fluffer? A pocket fluffer? Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> Merchandise idea. 
<laughs> you guys have the Put most it up bomb. there with the bicocket and the uh, <laughs> right. loofah. Right. Make your own bicocket kit and yeah. thongs and loofahs mm-hmm. that you rub all over your uh, body. Guaranteed not to give uh. you a scary uh, scarecrow venereal disease. Guaranteed. Yep. No, all, spo- all spoils of horror merchandise is SVP or whatever. SVP. It's free. It's free it's of all that. Free of that. It is. Thank <laughs> God. You can put that right on the label. <laughs> yep. So all the hippies at Whole Foods don't have to think twice. <laughs> there you go. Oh, God. Well done, Jack. There you go. For your listeners, that was like every spoils of <laughs> three sentences. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, oh god all right let's wrap in the it meantime up. i'm trying in the meantime <laughs> if you want to email us with your thoughts about pearl or anything else you can send us an email at a cut above horror review at gmail.com or you can also follow us on x but is anybody really on that anymore but anyway we're there at a cut nope nope we're at cut above horror that's what we're at uh, we're also at instagram at a cut above uh one word uh dot horror underscore review I would like to give the floor to our guests, Stephen and Leo. Where can they find you? We are on. Yes. Search for Spoils of Horror. Yep. We're on all major podcasting platforms. We also have a Gmail, Spoils of Horror at gmail.com. And if you don't, Spoils. (laughs) And if you you don't like our show, email uh, a cut above at (laughs) gmail.com. Oh, God. We're going to get a lot of emails. Yeah, oh, we'll shit. just read them all right on air. We'll Here they come. You, you guys, King said about you guys. That's- you guys played that joke very well. I when when we threw you under the bus giving out your email, your response was, "I was like, God damn it, I perfect. set that up. I gave yep. that right to them." Dude, you, you throw us a softball, we're gonna knock it out of the park. Uh, follow us on Facebook, a cut above colon horror review. Make sure you give spoils of horror the ratings that they deserve. Uh, the yes. five star ratings on Spotify and on iTunes. Review them on iTunes. Give a cut above horror review the ratings and reviews. Uh, we appreciate. Appreciate you. We love you, and um, we, we love Stephen and Leo. We're gonna have them on so many more times, and uh, perhaps something in the Take future. A warning. <laughs> yep. Yes, indeed. That's it. All right. Well, John Hydraberg. Next week, I'll see you back here talking about Fresh from last year. And keep it creepy. 